I know it's where. Okay. <laughs> no, go for it. <laughs> Hello, friends. I'm Stephen. I'm here today with the uh, back with a Friday conversation. Just invited a bunch of people, and they all said yes. So here we are. Amazingly, uh, just like shot in the dark, and everyone's like, "Yeah, sure, I'll be happy to do that." And here we are. So we'll go around the room really quick for those of you who are living under a rock and don't know who the rest of these people are. Uh, so, Phil, if you want to kick us off with, uh, tell us about yourself. Oh, well, well, Steve, first of all, you're like the nicest person on BookTube. So it was a no brainer for me to say, yes, absolutely. I'd love to be here. And I thank you for the honor of having me here. It's um, not my first time on your channel, actually. Uh, I think it's my maybe my fourth time now. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I just I love being here. And I love these people that we're with. Uh, so it was just a no brainer. I'm happy to be here. And uh, yeah, I'm Philip Chase. I have a uh, a channel about fantasy. That's me. So <laughs> no big deal, right? <laughs> well, um, hi everyone. I'm Yolene. I have a very small BookTube channel in comparison to some of these people here. Um, Yolene reads. And yeah, again, thanks Steve for putting this together. I'm always just along for the ride. You arrange everything, and I'm just here enjoying it. So thank you. Nice. Uh, I'm Mike, and I'm a, a coffee holic, and uh, I'm just here because uh, I got this wonderful invitation to join like the Illuminati here. I'm just happy to be a, among such exclusive company. This is great. Thanks so much. <laughs> uh, and I am Jimmy, and I'm from the Fantasy Network. Um, uh, Steve, thanks for having me on. I appreciate you, man. Um, I've been looking forward to talking to you again since our, our chat we had on my channel. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here and chat books and get my mind off of the real world and uh do a little bit of escapism. So let's do it. Let's do it. That's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we were talking before we went live about, uh, Philip, you had a reaction to Mike's uh, uh, Tolkien video. So we're setting the bar pretty high for Mike. I'm a little worried for him now because. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anyone can handle the pressure, it's definitely going to be Mike. Uh, I, I do feel like Tolkien is an interesting thing on, on BookTube because and Mike, you talked about it a little bit in your video. There is a kind of uh, a disconnect, I think, sometimes. Mm -hmm. There's a, a booktube tends to trend a little bit young. Uh, there are some of us older folks here. Uh, so, <laughs> but uh, it does trend a little young. And a lot of the younger folks, as Mike pointed out, know Lord of the Rings if they know it from the films uh, and the, the later Hobbit films as well. And I think there is a perception, at least, that they might be a bit dry, they might be hard to get into, that sort of thing. But I can tell you, I've heard from a lot of people who have sort of shied away from it and then initially kind of thought, oh, this is really hard. I can't get used to this archaic prose and, and this these uh, flat characters. And But then what happens for a lot of people, at least, is they get into it and get into it. And by the time they get to the end, not only they're used to it, but they go back to more modern fantasy and it feels like the more modern fantasy is a little too bare that it's a little too so it's interesting how that can happen i've heard that quite a few times so uh i i'm always one who will say give it a try i mean it is a, it is a, it, what it is for a reason so yeah i think aged out is the phrase that i get told by a lot of folks younger than me which makes me you know yeah. man shakes fist at cloud when i hear that but you know <laughs> Uh, it, that's why when I said, hey, I don't know why I'm having to do a why you should read on J.R.R. Tolkien. I mean, it's you know, that's <laughs> why most of us are here, right? But you'd be surprised how many people that I interact with are like, yeah, I still have it. I don't know if I should or not. And I'm like, 
you should, you know, that's, that's really all I can say. That's why it's hard to do a video like that. Cause I was like, what can I tell you that you haven't already heard, you know, but you know, I have no problems talking as you guys know. So. Steve, have uh, you read it, Lord of the Rings? I, I have not. I think I need to turn in my okay. book to read. I haven't it. either. So, <laughs> how do you Good take you know. Steve from the call? Is there a button? Or... <laughs> Jesus, there's, Steve. There's a, a trapdoor. You just have to hit the button. <laughs> it was great joining you tonight. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. I think. Well, uh, my, my experience with Tolkien and, and reading him for the first time, I was like 11 years old and I was like hot off the movies. Right. So we went into Walden bookstores, uh, which aren't around anymore. And my dad uh, got me the fellowship. It had like the cool ring uh, in the same topography from the film. And I was so excited to read it. And I think I got like 60 pages in. I was I, I read a lot as a kid, but I, <laughs> I got six pages. And I was like, this isn't nearly as exciting as the film. You know, as 11 years old, I was like, this is not my not my bag. Um so I kind of just you know, went on. I think I tried to read it again in high school. I got a little bit further. And then as an adult, I think it was like my early 20s, I ended up reading the the entire trilogy or one book or whatever we want to call it um, and really enjoying it. And then I read The Hobbit and I said, oh, I even like that more. And the, the thing about the, you know, the Fellowship and Two Towers and Turn of the King is every time I read it, it gets way better because I'm becoming a better reader. And I'm getting more and more um, familiar with the works that came before all, all of the modern greats. And it's extremely interesting when you look at something like Tolkien and then you look at Tad Williams, who I think is, you know, I always tell people, I say, if you're ti tired of rereading Lord of the Rings, Tad Williams would be a good substitute, like just to try to elevate uh, to. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't mean elevate in like quality. I just mean like a little bit more modern. Um, but, and then you see, you know, George R. R. Martin, Robert Jordan, Robert, all the, all these other people. And like, there's like, um, there's like a lineage, you know, that goes so far back. Mm -hmm. And whenever you read Tolkien, I don't know about you guys, but I can't help but to feel a little bit inspired. Um, and I'm, and I'm a dog shit writer, but, <laughs> but when I read Tolkien, it makes no, me, you're not. no, you're not, no, nah, I'm pretty bad. Uh, but it makes <laughs> me want to try, you know, and, uh, I can see how this was a genre defining thing, you know, and, it's also just so impressive the amount of work that he put in it really is. Okay. So Jimmy, I just have to say, I have read your writing and you're a good writer. So let's, let's have that out there. Okay. You don't dislike anything. <laughs> I can <laughs> give you a list. I can give you a list. No, you did give me good critiques. You did give me good. Critiques. I get you and I the only ones here old enough to say we read the books before we saw the movies. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I did. All right. I, okay, I think I'm the only one here who was actually alive when Tolkien was alive. Oh. <laughs> so, I got you there. <laughs> you win this round. Yeah. <laughs> I should have read it before I saw the movie, but I didn't know any better at the time. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. sure. Exactly. I saw the movies and I loved the movies and then I started reading the books and when Tom Bombadil entered the scene, <laughs> I yeah, I couldn't. Dude, I love I, Tom I Bombadil. <laughs> I love, I love too, Tom but I was Bombadil. fine with him not being in the movie. So, you know, it's a yeah, controversial know take amongst a lot of a lot of the uh, the legendarium. But that's I've always been like, yeah, I Honestly, can see why they didn't put it in there. Yeah. How do you pull that off without it seeming just like a total left turn? And also, I, I don't know, there's something magical. You know, There's I know a lot of people get mad about changes in adaptations, but sometimes it's like special when something's left out of the adaptation that gives you something that you can still look sure. forward to when you do your rereads and shit. You know, like for Song of Ice Fire, for me, it's like Young Griff. Like I'm like, man, it's such a big piece that was missing from that adaptation, right? And 
Uh, I look forward to that. And I look forward to Tom Bombadil every single time. Oh, yeah. I love oh, him. Yeah. I mean, good. I'm kind of a, a nerd this way, too. But being a, a medievalist in my day job, for me, I love the Tom Bombadil vibes going on because it it's clearly Tolkien is, is very plugged into a lot of, you know, much, much older works. And hmm. Tom Bombadil is definitely in some ways a nod to the character Vina Moinen in the Finnish Kalevala, um, hmm. which is, you know, it's just so cool that how Tolkien knows his stuff. Uh, but he also, I think Bombadil, if you haven't read the books yet, I'll just, I'll keep this vague. But uh, <laughs> for me, he embodies is very central to Tolkien's philosophy. He is, a, he's a nature figure, right? Yeah. Tolkien was in many ways a, a naturalist of the sort. He was very anti-industrialism. So, you know, he's, mm -hmm. uh, Bombadil's important, I think, in that sense for what Tolkien was all about, at least. Uh, but plus, plus he's, you know, he's, he's fun. I think anyway, I enjoy it. I like the fact that he could just like solve all the problems if he really wanted to, but he's too busy. Yeah. He's kind of wrapped up. You, you can know. always count on learning three or four new words. Every time I talk to Philip, <laughs> I always appreciate that. I feel like I'm learning stuff. That's why I said it's good. <laughs> hey, you only, what, you only, what time is it there? Um, it's currently a little bit after midnight. Uh, to be young. She's so young. <laughs> she can stay up late and do this. Um, I'd be like, midnight? I'm already like three dreams in. <laughs> I normally go to bed at 9 p.m. So, yeah. wow. But it's, well, it's a Friday night. night. I can make it happen. Well, we appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Michael says, hey, uh, big fan of all of you. Hey, Mike, I just got home from my local bookstore with the Ace hardcover version of Dune. Wait, let's yes, do it. Do it. Outstanding. I approve of this. I, I love spending other people's money. So yes, by all means. So, <laughs> uh, so Ellison said, I read The Hobbit and didn't love it. Would you still recommend reading the main trilogy? Mike, do you want to handle that first? Or? Sure. Uh, I think if you didn't like The Hobbit because you felt like it was too young, uh, the Lord of the Rings is much more, I'd say he actually, when he actually started that, he actually kind of intended for it to be another children's book, but it kind of evolved over the 17 years it took him to write it. So, uh, yeah, I think yes and no. So it's like, it depends if you didn't like the writing style. I mean, he's still the same guy, but if you didn't like it, you didn't feel like it was adult enough or it wasn't grown up enough. Uh, maybe you'll like Lord of the Rings more. Yeah. That's what I would say. I would also say, I don't know how old you are, Allison, or if you have kids or not, but reading the Hobbit for me, the best thing was reading it to my kids, mm. uh, when they were little, and it was so much fun. Uh, and that's those are those are very, very fond memories. Uh, so that's another way you could get into it if you're if you're older and you feel like ah, I want something a little more adult. If you have kids and you read it, read it to them, it's a whole new experience. And it's another way of, of just kind of getting into it that uh, that I really enjoyed anyway. Nice. And uh, looks like someone's going to pull the lever on me. Oh, <laughs> Okay. You know, to, uh, one thing you said, Philip, that I really like is the fact that Tolkien was having inspirations and taking, you know, things from works that are much older than we recognize today, yeah. um, which is interesting while we live in this current generation. And then like I, uh, Liana's library put out a video today about how Empire Sounds is not a name of the wind ripoff and that not every chronicling tale is a ripoff of name of the Correct. wind, believe it or not. Right, right. Um, and it's interesting because do you think there were people back then that did that to Tolkien? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? This is just a Beowulf ripoff. Listen, this is Beowulf. All I'm saying is I've seen it done better. That's all I'm yeah. saying. You know, <laughs> that's how I kind of imagine. Overrated. Yeah. yeah. 
But do you think yeah. that happened back then, Philip? Like, do you know any of the, I know there was a lot of critiques of, of his work. Some people thought it was utter trash and all this other stuff, but were people ever calling him out for his influences? I think people got, you will see more anti-Tolkien stuff, the more popular he got, which is, you know, that's the way the world works. Yes. Um, but Tolkien wasn't the first to do what he did. There were people like William Morris in the 19th century who did something very similar. And if you read Tolkien's letters, so I'm, I'm showing what a, a complete nerd I am. I've read Tolkien's letters. Um, you will see that he references William Morris, uh, both when he was younger and when he was older, and acknowledges that Morris's uh, uh, fantasies essentially were extremely important in his just conceiving of doing what he did. Hmm. So he was by no means the first person to, for example, be inspired and, and, and use uh things like the old norse uh material or the old english beowulf or, or stuff like that i mean other people had been doing it it's just that tolkien blew up in a way that no one else did uh, yeah. for whatever reason i mean he he hit the sweet spot or or whatever it was the timing was right you know uh or it was just his skills as a storyteller whatever it might be uh so i don't think he was criticized so much in that way um yeah. Not in that what? time. But Not you read that the Michael time. Moorcock letter. Oh yeah, Michael Moorcock and I'm you know, so childish. I haven't read Michael Moorcock because of that 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 essay. <laughs> I think it's a weird kind of like uh, Mike. We've talked about this before. It's a kind of a daddy thing, you know. Yeah, uh, I feel like I feel like he's picking on my granddad. You know, I don't like this. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm old enough too, and, and older than you, Philip. Is there a trophy? I don't think they give us trophies. It's called um, a cane or walker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, Philip, you were we were talking before too about the first law trilogy, your, your least favorite first law book, and that would be Red Country. Is that right? That is, that is true. Yeah, I, I think Mike's <laughs> as well. Um, and but, it's my oh. favorite. <laughs> yeah. I so like, far, it's so weird. It's like someone's least favorite would be someone else's favorite, but it's mostly the standalone. It's like, I love Best of Cold, and a lot of people hate it, you know? Yeah. And then yeah. everybody loves Red Country, and I'm like, oh. see, and I always felt everyone hated Red Country. And I mean, I can admit Shy South is not very good, but like, I just love Westerns. And uh, there's some character arcs that come to conclusion in that that I, I really enjoy. Um, but I'm not shocked that, you know, people end up not liking it. It I, seems I, like everybody loves heroes. So it works yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. I like the heroes. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to hear uh, Jolene and, and you know, what, what, why you like it or, or if without maybe spoilers, but what is it that you guys see in it, Jimmy and, and, and Jolene? What, um, because I don't hate it, by the way. I don't want to be uh, characterized as a red country hater here. Well, I love driver combi. Wow. I love <laughs> Here we go. It's how book two works. Look, the worst Abercrombie is better than most authors' best. Exactly. Books. Don't get me wrong. Exactly. I don't hate the book. It's just it wasn't yeah. what I wanted at the time. It's now, maybe, still... I love like Sergio Leone. Maybe if I went into it like with that approach, I probably would have liked it better. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's still first law, so I love it, but it's just my least favorite. So, what yeah. do you guys see in it? Um, I think for me, I really like the interaction between Lamb and Shy. Hmm. Without getting into spoilers in that regard. And I think in the best served cold, it was a disappointment for me because I really like the relationships between siblings and there we had some, but well, one of the two we didn't really see in present time. So I, I missed that while here we see a lot more of it. And 
I think part of it was also that I was extremely hyped for Best Served Cold because a lot of people said the standalones are better than the original trilogy. So I was going in expecting a five-star read. And then Best Served Colds let me down. So then when going into the heroes, I was thinking, ah, maybe I'm not going to love it. And then I was pleasantly surprised. So my expectations were completely different for these last two books. Hmm. Okay, cool. expectations, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, expectations played a role for me and uh, Lamb, you know, I mean, hmm. without saying anything else, I just love Lamb. Same. Yep. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Well, they're brilliant. I mean, you can't go wrong. And for me also, you know, they're essential reading as you go through all the first law. The best for me is, and Mike, I think you have a different opinion, but Age of Madness is for me the very pinnacle of Abercrombie so far. Uh, I just think it's such a brilliant trilogy. Uh, and the more I think back on it, the more I love it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's no bad first law book, in my opinion. Correct. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. with you there. Before we get too it's far the- away from it, Jimmy did bring up uh, Tad Williams. Now, I just finished Memory Scar with Thorn for the first time. Yep. And I, I kind of agree with him there. I do think it feels almost more like a, a, a modern Tolkien. But uh, I gotta say, Philip, whatever you're reading, except Dark Tower, you need to put aside. And, and, but you already read Memory Star and Thorn, didn't you? I had, I read it, but it was before, uh, before BookTube, so BB. Yeah. I well, mean, my brother's been bagging on me for decades to read that, telling me all the time it's a Song of Ice and Fire, Song of Ice and Fire completely ripped it off and all that stuff, and that I'm an idiot for all these other series. I'm, well, I didn't really agree with that, even though he still is ready to go to the you know, mattresses over that conversation, which no one wants to hear about. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely see a lot of the influences on not just him on uh, on Robin Hobb, on a, a lot of other that do the good coming of age fantasy. I can see a lot of things where it's like the transition between like everyone just copying Tolkien to what we kind of know now. So uh, yeah, if you guys haven't read it, definitely make the time to do it. Okay. Very, so very you like to Green Angel Tower? Then did you love it? I did I like uh, like part two better than part one? But I like both parts. I, I think Stone yeah. of Farewell was the only book I was kind of like okay on, but I love Dragon Bone. And both parts of the Green Angel Tower. I mean, Green Angel Tower is like a phone book. This and so I good. flew through it in a total of about two weeks, you know. I mean, oh, wow. with work. It's just it's it's really, really good. And you guys want to talk about like a Sanderlanch ending? That book has probably the most rapid last two hundred pages I've ever seen in my life. It's so good. Yes. I agree. You're like, there's no way he can wrap all this up. And not only he does it, he does it satisfying. So yes, yeah, I sure. completely agree. And and the thing about Tad, and the reason I think he goes a little bit under the radar, he's so good at everything. Uh-huh. Like he doesn't write the best characters of all time. He doesn't have the best world building of all time. He doesn't have the best plotting of all time, but he is above average at like everything. Mm-hmm. And then he just has some sort of charm in his prose that I can just read him. Like I can just, I, I can just binge Tad Williams and uh, whoo. I think he is so undervalued uh, when we talk about importance of the genre. Cause he's the bridge from, you know, Tolkien to Gurm really uh, that, like, that's how you kind of got there um, among other people too. But, yeah, yeah, I really like Tad. If you can't tell, he's, yeah, I'm gonna he's... do I'm gonna do Otherland <laughs> next. I'm very excited about cool. that. Yeah, I've heard Otherland's fantastic. And I disagree with your brother. No offense to him, Mike, but I I don't see so much uh, Song of Ice and Fire. I do see. I think you pointed out uh, Robin Hobb. There's a much more similarity there than yeah, so much of Dragonbone Share. I say this reminds me so much of Assassin's Apprentice. Yeah, and I, yeah. I loved Assassin's Apprentice. So yeah, yeah. I I think the um. You know, because 
George says a lot of people inspired him. Like you can ask him every different day, and he'll say someone inspired him to write his uh, seven book trilogy or yes. whatever. Uh, but <laughs> or two thirds of it. Yeah, people who like cutting down George, and there's like a lot of them. Uh, a lot of people say it's a carbon copy of Memory Star and Thor, and I'm like, it's not at all. Like it's yeah. really not. I mean, is there some similarity? Sure, you know the Sithy um, in the White Wall. There's some stuff there, um, but it is. I've seen worse. How about that? I've seen I've seen a Absolutely. lot worse. I spotted my nemesis in the chat. Oh no! <laughs> Who's yeah. that's Professor Firebolt <laughs> somewhere. Oh, I thought yeah. I was talking about your talking about tall guy reads who was asking if you if anybody remembers the animated Hobbit movie. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Basky. Yeah, that's great. I, 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 didn't I remember thinking that animation was just so wicked, and I also thought that was the best we'd ever get. I never thought we'd get what Peter Jackson gave us. I thought it was the best we'd ever get because it was impossible to film it and stuff like that. So I was happy to be wrong. I mean, most things don't get one good adaptation right <laughs> also like how important is that adaptation talking about the movies like how important was that to a generation of fantasy readers oh my god like yeah. obviously we have game of thrones now but like i know i wouldn't have probably got picked up lots of my games. friends were like i'm just not into fantasy and i made them go to see lord of the rings and they loved it and they actually started reading it, and they're full-on fantasy readers now so yeah, yeah. it definitely inspired um, every bit as much as like people who grew up reading harry potter i think that those movies inspired a lot of fantasy yes. readers to pick up that and then the genre as a whole for sure i think uh john gwen i believe the reason he went to finally sit down and write malice was because he got back from the movies and was like wow. i want to do I, I think i remember wow. reading this somewhere well am i glad that he did that yes very much so, <laughs> very much so. speaking of john gwen my vote for the fastest last 150 pages in a book is going to be hunger of the gods that was wild wasn't it man man that's a roller coaster right there yeah i'm halfway through right now yeah i was talking okay. to will gwen and i was like hey man tell your dad i loved it but i'm not talking to him right now <laughs> because <laughs> i'm not on speaking terms with him he said he laughed when he told him so <laughs> well, he, gets, he gets pain he gets pleasure from our tears yeah yeah. For his um, this series that he's writing now, the first one is Hunger of the Gods, or, or is that the Shadow, second one? Shadow of the Gods. Well, yeah. Steve and I both didn't like The Fateful and the Fallen. <laughs> is is this one different enough that we should pick it up? Well, first I gotta go, guys. I'll see y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very different. It's very different. I mean, okay. I think he's a better writer. Not that I think there's anything wrong with his writing in Fateful, but I think it's very different. I think Philip can kind of add to this that like. I would have never expected him to be that kind of writer reading Faithful and the Fallen. Okay. It was very straightforward stuff. This is every couple of terms or has something where I've got to look at the uh, the dramatis and figure out what the hell that word means. So, yeah, he's <laughs> a much, much better writer, I think, in that one. I yeah. agree. He's matured as a writer. Um, he still has a lot of the same, I think, tendencies. Like, he's, he's brilliant at the found family trope. I mean, it's, that's just standard Gwen. And for me... People use the word heart a lot in, in describing his books, and he, they all have a lot of heart. Uh, it's just, they're the kind of books that create instant nostalgia when you're done with them, I think. Um, so, and, and uh, I, I think that the, the newer series, the Bloodsworn trilogy, being very Icelandic saga inspired, being very old Norse inspired is definitely a bleaker world. It's definitely uh, a grimmer story overall than what you have in the faithful and the fallen. And a blood and bone is actually kind of in the middle, I think, but um, 
So that's the biggest prime difference is that it's a bit bleaker. And I think that Gwyn has definitely matured as a writer and some of his prose just, I mean, he had those moments certainly in, in the faithful and the fallen to me as well, but yeah. his prose is really, I mean, I was blown away by the beginning of the hunger of the gods. I thought, wow, he's really, this is, I, I went back and reread the first few pages thinking this is just, this is really good. Uh, so uh, I think um, those are the primary differences. Um, so I don't know if you would like it if you tried it, but uh, it's a more slightly a faster, more contained story as well. Uh, the Faithful and Fallen particularly has a large cast. And I think maybe some people feel a bit lost because of that in the beginning of The Faithful and the Fallen. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mike, what do you think of that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think if you've read something like Song of Ice and Fire, you'll be okay. Yeah. You have a little time, which has a bazillion characters. You'll be okay. But at first it seems overwhelming, but you'll settle in. I think he's the type of writer he'll... He'll keep reminding you of who someone is if he, if it's going to be important. Yeah. But uh, yeah, um, I don't know if I call uh, Faith on the Fallen, uh, you know, anything less than grim when you know you had a character die in every other chapter. So uh, yeah, he's he's a very brutalist character. But I feel like he's the only fantasy author I've read who basically is writing like fantasy thrillers because it's just so fast paced. It's, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. his books are huge and you're flying through them in a few days because there's just it's just the way that he writes. It's just so fast paced. It's amazing. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I would say this new trilogy, the Bloodsworn trilogy, is um, like deceptively deep in, in a way because of all the Norse terms and stuff. Like Mike said, he's flipping back and forth through the glossary. Like, been reading a bunch of stuff lately um, that has been mind bending. And then I picked up Hunger of the Gods and was like, okay, easy ride with my boy John. And uh, like, oh, God, wait a second. <laughs> There's a lot of words I don't know. Here. I pick up the wrong. Is Gwen spelled differently? <laughs> yeah, he really opened up the world, uh, especially in the in the second one. And uh, maybe I just kind of forgot from Shadow, but like I was having to go back to the glossary. I still am. Um, so I think while still being really easily digestible, like there's a lot of good work put into the book. Um, and if you're not into the Norse thing, you're not going to like it. So yeah. that that that's yeah. a good for like it is as Norse as it gets. I'm pretty sure <laughs> like zero qualms with that. Um, he 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 goes for it, and it's and I think that's actually part of its charm. So yeah, it's worth it for Orca alone. She's basically fantasy John Wick. You guys, she's awesome. <laughs> yeah, Orca is the one I feel the most attached to, without yeah. a doubt. You know, who I kept thinking of with Orca is was uh, Logan the movie uh, Logan, hmm. uh, the Wolverine, the last Wolverine mm -hmm. movie. You know, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And uh, Thiago Abdallah, author Thiago Abdallah asks, didn't William Morris have a character named Gandalf? I'm, sure. I'm trying to think. I saw that in the chat, and I'm I'm trying to think. I don't remember that specifically. There was uh, there is a, a 19th century poet with a, a character named Gandalf uh, with that spelling, which Tolkien hated, by the way, when um, people spelled Gandalf with, especially with a ph at the end. I think, uh, <laughs> but I'm trying to remember. I don't remember that if in William Morris, but I could be wrong. And, uh, and Mike says, "Yo, nuts! I'm looking like a real weirdo here with my diesel comment." Just saying. <laughs> you explain the diesel thing to me. I, I just thought I didn't get it because I'm old. Internet's blipping. Uh oh. Oh, there's Jimmy. Okay. Yeah. yeah my my apologies. Uh, Verizon. Uh, apparently, I don't give them enough of my money already. So. <laughs> uh, AT&T said, "Hold my coffee." Yeah. <laughs> I just watched my router just start blinking. I'm like, well, that's the end of that. We were um, asking about the diesel comment. What, what's up with that? 
Oh, sucking diesel. Yeah, you know, it's it's an Irish saying. Uh, my friend RJ Gibson, he has a booktube channel, uh, and he's been a uh, patron and a watcher of mine for a long time. And uh, he introduced me to the phrase sucking diesel. And I'm like, what in the world does that mean? And essentially, when you're in Ireland and this, things are going good, you know, you're trying to like get a car running. Oh, yeah, come on, keep going. It's sucking diesel. It's sucking diesel. You know, it so it just means ah. it's going well. Um, ah. So I'm consistently using it in ways it doesn't make sense because it just sounds <laughs> hilarious to me. So. <laughs> And uh, Stacy's here. Hey, Stacy. And uh, Derry is just getting to the blade itself now. Out of it. Cool. I wish awesome. I could experience that again for the first time. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it great? Mm-hmm. There we go. Uh, the heroes was easily uh, heroes was easily easily my favorite of the standalones, but I think Red Country was a great book with the rushed last act. Hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, my problem was the dragon people. I didn't really feel that very much. I don't know. Everything before that I liked a lot. I still need to read the last 50 pages, so maybe it's not going to be my favorite after all, but <laughs> so far. <laughs> and uh, I was it asks, why can't I get through Steven Erickson's books? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, this one's for you, Philip. <laughs> uh, back, everyone. Don't, don't ask Mike. Uh, that question. Uh, <laughs> so, actually, Jimmy, uh, it's like, hey, don't worry about it. Take your time. But well, we get on camera, and it's yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, AP, AP hasn't talked to me since I took a break from Malazan. Just saying, don't think I didn't oh, notice AP. <laughs> oh man. Well, everybody is entitled to take however long they want uh, to finish any series they want. Uh, but Jimmy is the one actually who read it. Uh, like faster than I did. Um, wow, yeah. So is he frozen again? Jimmy, are you frozen with that smile there? Yeah, he is. He's really happy about the topic. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, <laughs> Jimmy, you're leaving me alone here, man. Okay. Uh, so I will try to attempt that. And when Jimmy comes back, he can help out. So why can't I get through? I, I don't know why personally you can't. Um, I'm sure there could be, you know, several reasons. Uh, also, uh, Steve and Jolene have started the series, mm-hmm. so maybe you guys could speak to that actually, and then I'll I'll chime in when you guys. I mean, how you found the series so far? Because you you guys have finished at least Dead House Gates, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I I think it depends how far along he is because we're only two books in so far. Yeah. I'm actually pleasantly surprised, but I can imagine it's a ten book long series. Maybe around book six or seven, you might have some difficulties. But for now, I'm I'm really liking it. Um, but I have heard that like in book one, you follow one cast of characters and in book two, you follow a different one. I thought that in book three, we we're going to go back, but apparently I'm wrong. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Steve, you want to comment on it at all? Uh, take your time and yeah. uh, read with, read with other people. I would say, I think it's good to, it's one of those yes. books that it's good to bounce ideas off of. Cause I had no idea what the hell was going on. In the first book and then i started i'm starting to get my footing down in book two but it's my second time trying the series so yeah i'm glad i'm reading with people much smarter than i am which you know but yeah so yeah. i can ask, ask for help i think if Thanks, i had one regret i should have stuck with my schedule where i had it for two years instead of speeding it up because I, I was just trying to get people to stay along for that read along and i mean i think everybody's got to know that a series like malice is going to have a high tap out rate you know it was probably a probably a poor choice for a read along honestly i was just so many people that were like, I want to do it, but I'm scared. And I thought, well, hey, let's do it as a group, you know? So, yeah. But, but I think Steve is right. If you, It does help to read it with a person. I'm lucky in that I've been reading it with AP, uh, with uh, 
you'll see him in the chat there as a critical dragon, my nemesis. Uh, so, uh, and the guy's, okay, he's pretty smart. Uh, and uh, he knows Malazan because he is also the advanced reader for Steven Erickson and Ian Esselmont. Um, so that's been an incredible experience for me, honestly, um, and very helpful. I read it by myself the first time through the series, and that was awesome. Jimmy, you're good. You're here. You got to help <laughs> me out, buddy. Uh, we're, we're telling people how to get through the Malazan book of the fallen. So, um, and everybody else has had a shot and I'm in the middle of mine. So, uh, but, but I do think it helps to, to be doing it with people talking about it with people. It's, I mean, for any book, honestly, I think it's enriching, but there is a lot to Malazan. It's not that you have to be, you know, a genius to read it or anything like that. It's just that you have to be patient, I think, yeah. and you have to allow yourself to be in the moment. Because my mistake, honestly, the first time I read it was I thought I, I, I needed to master everything. So I kept consulting the character right. lists and the maps and I kept, you know, looking up stuff and I was interrupting the story and I wasn't immersed in, as, as I could have been if I had just allowed myself to be a little confused. And I think, Mike, you said it many times and you said it well, just allow yourself to be confused and, and go with the flow. Yeah, yeah but I, I wouldn't do that. I just, that's not the type of reader I am. I'd be like, just don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. Just, just, just roll with it. And I'm like, I just can't do that. I'm not that type yeah. of reader. So that, that was really tough on me. It wasn't until about like Reaper's Gale, you know, where I was like, all right, forget it. If I don't get it, I'm just going to keep going. If it's important, Mr. Erickson will tell me again. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that, that that's the right attitude. And it's in a series again, that uh, it's just, uh, for me, it is, a masterpiece. It is just it's such a rich work of literature. And I don't hope that doesn't sound intimidating because there are so many levels on which you can enjoy this series. There's great action in there. Uh, there is humor. Uh, there's high tragedy and there's philosophy. This, it's all in there. It's everything. And there's such range in there. So I, I'd say also just allow yourself to enjoy the parts you enjoy, you know. Um, but I think it, it's, it's a series that you can't rush. For me, anyway, uh, I don't use audiobooks but i can't imagine myself ever if i do start using audiobooks i can't imagine ever doing malazan on audiobook because it's a series that i i think for me anyway it's something i have to savor i have to think about mm -hmm. and and they're big books so be patient give yourself time i guess yeah. jimmy what do you think um well uh, so the question is just uh having trouble getting through it yeah i think so mm -hmm. yeah well there's he's done guards of the moon like three times and he hasn't been able to get through it hmm. Yeah, that's tough. Um, <clears throat> well, one thing I would say is, and, and this is, I, it's the worst when people say this, but if you give it a few books, <laughs> like I know, and they're like <laughs> thousand pages, I know it's the worst thing to say, but um, I think people can kind of get hung up uh, and you have that paralysis by analysis thing going on where you're constantly trying to analyze every single little piece of the story that um, you think might mean something. Uh, and I actually do think that Erickson will bring up things if it meant something. Um, he, he doesn't hang you off the dry all the way. Now, there are some times wherever things would happen and I would just like turn the page. And someone would be like, did, did you read that? And I'm like, I have no idea. Was that a big deal? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, OK, um, that 100 percent happened to me. But there was also a lot of times whenever uh, there was signposting from Erickson to say, hey, this is kind of a big deal. Remember this guy? Um, so. I would just say uh, if Garden's Room isn't making any sense for you, I think you might as well just jump in the Deadhouse Gates because it's such a different book and it's yeah. on a totally yeah. different continent that it's like basically like reading just a different book by Stephen Erickson, which mm -hmm. I, I guess technically it is anyways. But um, 
the other thing about Malazan is like you don't have to like it. Um, yeah. The the one thing I will say is that Malazan has uh, had great success. It has sold millions of copies. I think it is a fabulous work. However, it is still a little bit more niche than a lot of the other big big series. And uh, I know people hate hearing this, but I think that that is probably always going to be the case. I I, th I think from it, it'll grow in popularity. You know, I mean, th I think it'll grow up, but to the um, same level, right? I don't think that that up curve is as drastic as some other series um, that we know and love. So, uh, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, right? Like, I, I think that yeah. that's fine and, and that there's a place for people who want that kind of experience out of their literature and it's there and it will continue to, uh, you know, be read and analyzed and communities will be based around it and it'll grow in popularity. But I don't think it'll ever be um, – Lord of the Rings or, or, or whatever it might be, even though I believe that it's one of the best attempts at, you know, creating a different pillar in fantasy. I think that it does a phenomenal job of that mm -hmm. and being original uh, and being just uh, this amazing formulation of uh, imagination between two friends. I mean, I think it's just such a cool concept behind yeah. the story. And then you have someone like Erickson who is, uh, um, you know, I, I think he's fantastic. So for him to finally pen those stories and then have ice come in and then do his, I mean, it's just something special about that. Um, yeah. But with that said, you know, if you don't like it, you don't like it. It is what it is. Right. Yeah. And there's, there's nothing wrong with you if you don't, you know, no, um, but, no. uh, but Erickson definitely does things a little bit differently from the majority of uh, modern fantasy. Um, and that might take some getting used to, you know, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it made me a bit of a better reader in some regards. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah. 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 And, I don't know. I had those moments where I would stop reading, just like look up and stare at the wall and say, "Am I smart enough for this?" So, <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of help. I mean, having Philip on and uh, and I, I, there were some user guides people posted, and I used those for the first few books and were very helpful. Iskar um, helped me out a lot, honestly. Iskar is a lot. Oh, he's such a great guy. A gem. He's just an awesome, awesome guy. But yeah, I felt like I was doing my first reread on my first read because I was like, I'd read two paragraphs, like. What? And I just go back and read them again. So it's definitely <laughs> unique in that regard. Yeah, you have to just kind of let go. And that's what I struggled with with Gardens of the Moon is I wanted to understand what was going on. I wanted to know what was happening and why. And I, I just, it would bother me that I didn't know what was going on. And yeah. So yeah. You just have to let that go, but it's really tough. Yeah. I, um, okay. I think it was Philip. Uh, Philip, you said like the first time you went through, you're just trying to figure out the plot. And then the second time that you read through it, you really uh, identified with more of the thematic elements of, of the story. And I, I think that is pretty true. And I got kind of spoiled because my first reread or reread my first read, I was trying to figure out what was going on and I was having, you know, mild success at that. At not, not, not much at times, but then also talking to you every single book, you were informing me of all the thematic elements. So like, I kind of got my best bang for my buck on a first read through. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I think whatever you said that, that resonated with me pretty, pretty heavily. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's one of those things too, where I love the series on the first read. It's, it's brilliant. And I recognize its brilliance. Uh, but I didn't, I think for me, uh, theme wise, I think I, I caught on fine, but it was more feeling immersed in and feeling connected to the characters. Uh, for mm -hmm. me, this was my, my situation the first time through second time through, let me tell you guys, uh, and I'll shut up. No author has made me cry more than Steven Erickson. Um, and second place, actually, interestingly, cause they're very different authors. Second place is John Gwynn, uh, <laughs> for making okay. me cry. 
Um, so, but yes, I, I feel so connected to the characters now on my second read. It's incredible because I'm not worrying about, oh, what is this place and, and how is this related to and where's that on the map and blah, blah, blah. I'm just immersed in the story. I'm so connected to these brilliantly, vividly realized characters and he constantly gets me. I mean, no, I'm serious. No author has made me cry more than Steven Erickson. So, yeah. And uh, Epic Tales has a great question. As far as Grimdark is concerned, I read The Prince of Nothing in my, uh, and my Berserk. standards are unrealistic now. How do I go back? Just read Berserk. Just read Berserk. <laughs> That's all you got to do. Berserk is the only thing I've ever read in my life where I just like kind of like looked at it, looked over, and I said, why am I reading this? Like, do I really actually? I mean, I love Berserk, but like, why? I don't know. There's something wrong with me. Like, I have all those Berserk deluxe editions upstairs, and I'm like, I gotta hide these when people come over. Because if what if they go over and pick off up, and they, open? <laughs> I just finished volume 34, so I'm getting. Oh yeah, you're, to, you're further than me then. Getting I'm close to where uh, Rich Mira didn't quite finish, get to finish before he left. So, but yeah, I, I'll agree with you. The Golden Age is just brilliant, just a yes. brilliant, brilliant art. Okay. I mean, regardless of if you like the medium of you know comics, manga at all. Yes, uh, it's just an incredible, incredible story. But uh, yeah, it'll. It'll punch you in the heart more than once, put it that way. Yeah, and some horrendously traumatic things happen in that story that, um, mm -hmm. wow. It's a wild, uh, me and uh, Rocky were talking on stream about Berserk, and it was 20 minutes of us just tap dancing around terrible issues. <laughs> and, yeah. like, and he was like, I just don't know how to talk about it. I'm like, yeah, me either. Let's just yeah, After on. that story, people were like, hey, you want to go look at the eclipse? I'm like, nope. nope. <laughs> <laughs> Not interested. <laughs> I feel like we're speaking in code now. No one else knows what we're talking. <laughs> that's true, but it's fun anyway. Yeah, we're clearly weebs. I mean, that's Prince of Nothing is something that uh, some people on my Discord really just really got into. Some people that really dropped on a Malazan, they started reading Prince of Nothing, and they basically said, while they're not exactly the same, it kind of gave them what they wanted from Malazan mm -hmm. and, and Prince of Nothing. And a lot of people told me the, like how much I love God Emperor of Dune that I would just absolutely just eat on Prince of Nothing. So that's hey. I'm gonna do that after Gene Wolf. Yeah, I think um like thematically I think uh Malazan and Prince of Nothing are actually opposite ends of the spectrum on what they're saying. But uh man, uh Baker really made a dense fantasy world. I mean he really went for it. And it's kind of interesting that I mean I guess it's not surprising that it doesn't get as much traction as all the other big really epic epic fantasy um because it's so dark and so grim and the philosophy behind it is pretty uh bleak but you know he, he really did go for it and i think speaking of dune i think it is the best fantasy version of dune because we i mean it's obviously inspired that's a the best sales pitch for me yeah dude i'm telling you like kellis is uh one of the best characters i've ever read in fiction i i really believe that that trilogy um and the philosophy behind prince of nothing and in, in a lot of at least part of the argument is the fact that we do not have agency as human beings and that we are like kind of biologically driven. Right. So like the decision you think you're making is actually the decision you would have made all along because of your chemical makeup. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and also you can give away what you're going to say or think just by your facial facial features and constructions of your bone. I mean, it's, it's very interesting. And now imagine if there was like a sociopathic kind of monk figure that could take advantage of that because he knows what decisions you're going to make because of your bio. It's very fascinating. Oh, okay. And it that sounds wild. It is wild. <laughs> exactly. It is wild. And um, so good. 
there's just a lot of really amazing world building in there uh it is very bleak uh it is very very hard on females um not that i think that it's up it's uh you know saying this is the right thing i think it's obviously saying this is terrible mm -hmm. um but it's in there and, and it's really tough i have um one of my patrons, Amanda, is reading through it right now. She just finished Malazan two weeks ago. And now she's reading Prince of Nothing. Wow. And she finished the first book in like two days. And she's just like, this This is amazing. Like she's, okay. It just has like a, a yeah, tone. The feedback to I've it. gotten is either best series ever or I can't stand it. It's wild. One of the two. Yeah. It's slow. First book's slow. You know, it's very much a. It, the darkness that comes before is very much an appropriate title because it's all about this setup to this like holy war. And then book two is like amazing i think it was my third or fourth book of the year last year maybe it was six i can't it was it was in my top 10 uh and then the third book goes completely meta and just like blew my mind like mm -hmm. yeah, okay. it, it's good it's really really good i'm a big fan it's moving up in the power rankings all right yeah yeah i'm gonna read it this summer uh with alan actually and jimmy you were thinking about rereading it or i think right I, honestly i could probably do with a reread even though i just read it like nine months ago i would read it again because mm -hmm. it's so good it's so so good. <laughs> I'm trying to like lean into reading with me in a month or so. I'm going to reread the first book and uh, what that book tells. And if you all hate it, I, I was just kidding. <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> Steve, <laughs> when are you going to reread the first book? Uh, maybe May or June, but I'll wait for you if you want to. You know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> if if you can wait until June, I'll put it on the TBR. Can we talk about how read-alongs are just like murdering us personally? <laughs> oh, yes. Sometimes I gotta wonder if that was a mistake bringing that into my life. I was gonna say. I mean, I appreciate them, but sometimes I'm like, I had to start turning yeah. stuff down. Yeah. I mean, sure. Yeah. It's fun though. Yeah, they're fun, but sometimes it's yeah. just like, you know what? I'd like to just. Out of, hey, I want to read this. Why not? Let's just do it. No, I can't. I got to read nope. like these seven books that I promised I'd read with other people. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it happens. Uh, it's about balancing, I think. You got to find the, uh, you got to be part of no more than maybe two read alongs at a time. And Jolene's <laughs> laughing. How many are you part of right now? <laughs> I don't know. Like, um, I'm putting together oh. my May TBR, and I think that I have 10 books, and none of them are not part of a read-along <laughs> or a body read so Jeez. yeah <laughs> i have issues you're too friendly <laughs> but i do enjoy it and it actually helps me read faster because when somebody is ahead yeah. of me and they're like this is a good part i need to get there yeah yeah, yeah that's it. the problem with me with read-alongs i don't i don't audiobook and a lot of people i'm gonna read-alongs with their yeah. audiobook and they're like i'm on chapter 12 i'm like I just finished chapter one. <laughs> so, I do feel like I got to read faster so uh, yeah, I can I can click all the spoiler bars on my Discord and see what they're talking mm -hmm. about. You know? That's a motivator for sure. I I, I do a lot of audio um, to help get through stuff, but there are times where like I, I get a little frustrated because I, I feel like I have to do audio. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not so much like I want – like, oh, I want to listen to an audio book right now. It's like, well, I'm not doing anything. I better turn on the audio book. So I've kind of tried to slow down a little bit on that and try to back away from it a little bit. And part of that is turning down read-alongs, which sucks because I, I like being social. Yeah. Same. Um, but God, there's so many. <laughs> you know, there's plus so every three months someone's like, "Hey, we're going to do Lord of the Rings. Do you want to join us?" And I'm like, "Yes, but no." <laughs> <laughs> I always want to read reread Dune and Lord of the Rings. You know, so I always. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just uh, finished up. Well, I'll be finishing up this Sunday the A Song of Ice and Fire reread. We uh, did Fire and Blood for the final one because the show's coming out. So we thought it'd be cool with uh, Alex and Leanna. And um, man, I did. I forgot like how big those books are. Like, <laughs> like it was taking me like you know two weeks to read through. And I'm like, I know I've read this already, but I'm still picking up on new stuff. And 
Uh, it took so long and so much time, but I don't regret it at all. Like I would start if I would start a reread like tomorrow. I just love those books so. I think I've read the first three probably like seven or eight times, just Thanks. waiting for you know the the other yeah. books to come out at the time. And I yeah, haven't it, done a reread since right before Dance with Dragons came out, so it's been a while. And you were pretty crushed whenever uh, Tyrion wasn't in Feast, right? I think I remember. Yeah, what, it was that. like reading, waiting real time for those. Like, all right, you basically had to wait a decade for a new Tyrion chapter. It was, it was brutal. Yeah. You know? But we've had to do that again. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like uh, I've been here, done this before. First time? Yeah, first time. <laughs> um, you also uh, read Dark Tower when it was releasing, and I know that you were not a big fan of, of said ending, uh, which is really interesting because I binged. So I binged Song of Ice Fire. I binged Dark Tower. I actually liked the Dark Tower ending, but it's so interesting that it's such a different experience whenever you're reading on release. It's yeah. a totally yeah, I think for thing. binge readers, it would probably be a little easier. Uh, for me, it, it, yeah. again, I think that people – think that i hate the ending i don't i hate decisions that he made really meta decisions in book six that just really was just like this is like series breaking mike mike hates dark tower you heard it here yeah (laughs) but but, uh, the the ending itself is fine there are things i wish he'd done differently but i think it mostly for the most part it's really really good but there was just things that he did in books mostly in six and some seven i'm just like what are you thinking but again yeah if i didn't have to wait six years between wizard and glass and Wolves of the Kali, you know, might not have been like that. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it, it's actually a video topic I, I've always wanted to explore in the fact that, like, I feel like endings themselves are meant to, like, they're always going to be polarizing, like, mm-hmm. no matter what it is. And then when you take into account TV shows and books about bingers versus release people, uh, it's just a totally different experience. And Sopranos is a really good example of this. So Sopranos had a very controversial ending that I absolutely love. But at the time when it happened, people were calling HBO trying to cancel their yeah, subscriptions. I remember. And now it is considered vastly by a lot of people to be like one of the most excellent endings because it's so artistic and it fits the show. And like there's a site, all this stuff. So if you haven't seen Sopranos, you should go watch it. But uh, I think that's like a really good prime example of how controversial endings can actually grow in favor over time because of the way yeah. people are changing their interaction with the medium. Now, that doesn't mean that a bad ending is going to become good. Um, I don't think that Lost, for instance, is going to have any kind of um, resemblance of a positive ending at the end of it. Game um, of Thrones, anyone? I would say Game of Thrones, except I know a lot of people who aren't in our circle who are just TV watchers that don't hate season eight i'm not saying they say it's the greatest thing they're like oh it's fine which is weird which is weird (laughs) but i I try to remember that we are i thought the last episode of season eight was actually a joke like they were having us on dude i was looking at my watch during the last episode just waiting for it to end how far that fell jeez i didn't mind the first half i actually i hated the second half um, but I actually didn't mind the first half of the last episode in a in a contained space of what it was. I didn't hate it, um, but I hated the second half of that episode. It's terrible. I, I like the ending of Lost. I don't know. <laughs> Steve <laughs> with the hot terrible. takes tonight. My God, I'm gonna roll. It's trapdoor. You way. guys think that people were obsessed with Game of Thrones? You don't even know what it, because maybe it's because before social media really blew up. But man, Lost. You don't even know what the talks about theories and stuff with that show. Oh my God! And it hit none of them. You know, so yeah, yeah I, I do miss that when people were just talking about that show for a while. But yeah, that That's last why. season. Woo. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's the last few seasons were a little rough, but I, I think they it's hard to, to it's hard to wrap up a series like that and answer all the questions because it was just question after question for years and years. 
So it's hard to please everyone. It's a it's a tough it's a tough one to finish up. It's a very hard thing to end anything. Yeah. Um, and you're tough. And there's a there's at least I'd say if you take something that uh, like the zeitgeist right like Game of Thrones and the zeitgeist uh, Lost was zeitgeist was Soprano. If you take that, I guarantee you if you take a poll, twenty percent of them will hate it no matter what because it's over. They just don't want it to be. Oh over. sure, people do hate endings. Yeah. So, yeah. So you're already getting you know you already have to deal with those twenty percent, and then if you just miss a couple beats, you know it could, that could be it. That that's a wrap. It's a tough thing. I, I uh, that that's why I I feel like I'm pretty lenient on endings of things. Um, I can let a pretty dud ending not ruin a series for me, depending on what it is. Um, you know, it's a case by case basis. But I am pretty lenient on um on endings. I prefer beginnings mostly, honestly. <laughs> Same. Like book ones are my shit. That's why I like Daniel yeah. Abraham. Yeah. But I think I'm the only one who thinks Empire of Silence is the best Sun Eater book so far. So. I just I love I love coming of age. I love uh, you know introductions. It's such Fellowship a good book. Rain. Yeah. I don't think Yoda. I didn't even know I was I was approved for super chats yet. But thank you, Yoda. That's my first super chat. So nice. Oh yeah. Congrats, Congratulations. Man. YouTube will let you have forty eight cents of it. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. So what is everyone's favorite finale? Since we're on the topic of finales, what's your favorite? Oh, yeah, that's good. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, that's a good one. Huh. Seinfeld. Oh, that's a hot take. That's a Wait, hot are take. we just talking about shows or books? Wait, do people not like the Seinfeld ending? I, I refuse to watch it. I just, I will not do it. Wait, I'd because like it's it bad, or because you don't want it to be over? Maybe both. I, I don't okay. know if it's. <laughs> if you haven't watched it, how do you know it's bad? I don't. Yeah, just it's everyone I know <laughs> has told me do not watch it. It's awful. So I've just been avoiding oh. it all these years. Interesting. Maybe I'm a moron. I mean, that's definitely possible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have the worst taste in television shows. So well, it's like, what's TV? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're talking about shows now. I'm a little lost, unless you're talking about the 1970s. Okay. Go mess with your rabbit ears, Philip. Yeah. yeah. Make sure you just put some aluminum foil on there. He's going to say, while. leave it the beaver. Watch. <laughs> Julian, what's your favorite finale? Well, I also almost don't watch TV. I think that it's been weeks since I turned it on. So uh, not Thank a lot. Thank you, Julie. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not the only one. <laughs> but um, I think maybe Sounds of Anarchy. And I know that a lot of people didn't like the last seasons, but oh, I actually I really enjoyed oh, yes. them. So, hmm. yeah. I, I kind of felt that track the last few seasons, but I actually thought that the last, uh, se the last like two episodes of the last season were really good. I, I didn't have a problem with them at all. Now, mm -hmm. see here, that comment right there from uh, my nemesis right there. <laughs> I just recorded a chat with him about the movie. Yes, movie, The Northman. So, oh, yeah, that's that coming out tomorrow. Um, but yeah, so I do watch movies sometimes. Oh, if it wasn't for my kid, I don't think I'd watch TV very much at all. Uh, yeah. He's real into 80s action movies and stuff now, and I can't help it says yeah let's do more of that in fact he was like can we watch rambo 3 tonight and i'm like well <laughs> maybe yeah but uh but yeah i'm you feel i don't i don't watch a ton of tv anymore just because who has time who has time yeah. i gotta read books yeah <laughs> i do prefer reading i feel like i i, I get more sure. engaged mm -hmm. yeah yeah on tv i'm more willing to open my phone you know mm -hmm. scroll facebook Same. or something you know but this no, with yeah. this i'm like no i don't even have my phone near me when i read yeah, I try not to. Hey, Ursi. Steve, what's your favorite finale? Yeah, that's a tough one. TV finale may be lost. Maybe my favorite. 
No, I don't, I don't like, oh. no, there are some bad seasons in there. Don't get me wrong. I just think the last the last five to ten minutes of that last episode was probably my favorite. At the time, I didn't like it, but hmm. on a rewatch, I appreciate it more. I think part of it is expectations, like we talked about before. Is hmm. you have certain expectations you watch for years, and you have all these theories and all this crazy stuff you talk about over the years, and the plane was really in this alternate dimension, all this crazy shit you think about. When it's just, you know, you just have to let it go and just go along for the ride. Kind of like uh, Malazan. You just have to go along for the ride. Have you seen uh, the new Apple TV show called Severance? No. I I think it's the best season one of a show I've ever seen. Hmm. It is. Um, so I can give you the premise without any spoilers. So there is a job uh, from this big umbrella company called Lumen. And you don't know what they do. They, they kind of remind me of Amazon in, in the show. But... Sever when you decide to take a severance, basically what it means is when you go to work, uh, when you go in the elevator, there's a switch in your brain and you have an any, which is the work self. And then you have an Audi, which is an out of work self. And they're completely like they don't know about it. They know each other exists, but they don't know what each other think. So your work self, whenever time they wake up, they're at work. Wow. Really, really fascinating. Um, and there's a huge amount of mystery to it, but it still has like that personal um, feeling kind of like uh, Breaking Bad, but it is sci-fi and mm. it's really, really good. Highly recommend. Actually, you know what? I think Breaking Bad is my favorite finale. Now I was about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk about that. I think Breaking Bad and the Americans are probably the only two shows I can think of that don't have like that one season where you're like, yeah, it was season whatever is kind of iffy, but the rest of them are great. The Americans was fantastic. Was yeah. Great. All the way through. 100%. Yeah. Hey, how about MASH, guys? Jesus Christ. I never watched it, but my parents loved it. <laughs> that and I love Lucy. <laughs> I actually did like I love Lucy back in the day. Yeah, sure. I remember Nick at night. Come on, MASH was brilliant. MASH was brilliant. Come on, admit it. Hey, it's still like the highest rate of finale ever, so they must have done yeah. something right. Yeah. That's right. And Jimmy, the premise for that show sounds just like a short story in Michael R. Fletcher's A Collection of Obsessions. It is almost, a, well, I don't know how close, but it's pretty close. There's like a work person and a home person. They don't really know each other. They just kind of go to sleep and they wake up at work. And the it's for, uh, to so the no secrets that they, you know, they go to work and they work for like this government agency or whatever. And they don't want those secrets escaping into the world. So they have to forget every day that they go to work. They just wake up when work is over and they end up having these different lives and one wife ends up with someone else that they work with because they don't remember what's happening. So they're having an affair at work. That is exactly very similar. Wow. They may have just straight up stole that idea. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> that might be some plagiarism there. Yikes. Yeah. Great show. I hope Fletcher sues. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're, you're fine. AP. I was just joking with you, man. I know it's all good. We all get busy. Don't worry about it. Yep. We do. Definitely. And uh, Stacy is a fan of Malazan too. She has high hopes for book three. Oh yeah, Stacy's brilliant. Uh, she was part of our first yeah. chat on your channel, Steve, and I really loved her reactions. And uh, I, I hope she'll be back for the third chat. I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think so. And speaking of Breaking Bad, before I get to the comment, who is watching Better Call Saul? Because this last season had is... to start this season, but yeah, we've watched it like crazy. We usually like to let it finish and then just binge through it because we're binge watchers. Yeah. And I, the thing is, like, people be like, I don't know, I tried it, wasn't really for me. And I'm like, look, I'm not saying it's better than Breaking Bad, but I'm saying it stands right next to it. Yeah, it's that good. And uh, I, I just, 
I love Bob Odenkirk. I've been watching him since the nineties on HBO when he had a show with Dave across called Mr. Show yep. show. So I've always been a fan of that. I would never would have expected watching that sketch show. That guy would become an Emmy uh, actor, but he is, he's fantastic on that show. He's so good. Yeah. I remember that show with David Cross. I used to think David Cross, I still do it. He's pretty funny. Yeah, definitely. He's really funny. This last season is so good. Just be careful. I'm sure you're careful with spoilers. I've, I've already been like, ah, la, 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> some really, really great stuff already in the season. So uh, <laughs> expectations being a lot. You have to accept being confused and being introduced to new places and characters in the next books. Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. That's well said. Yeah. I said the best way to approach Malazan is treat each book like an anthology book, just yep. something perfectly new. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, Leslie had a good tip that I should have taken when I first started is she would read Leslie from the Nerd and Narrative would read a chapter a day and then just set it down and just, yeah, take yeah. your time with it. I don't know if I would be able to do it hmm. that way. <laughs> because once you finish a chapter, you do want to keep going. Yeah, that's enough. Yeah, especially in the later books, when you're starting to finally get some answers, it, it would be very tough. And like the bone, I think the Bone Hunters would be. I binged that book so hard. Yeah, same here. Bone uh-huh. Hunters is probably the fastest I've read a, a book of that size ever. Yeah, that book was incredible. maybe the Green Angel Tower was the only other one, but yeah, I I, I blew through that one. Yeah, it's probably in my top five fantasy books ever. I really loved it. Oh, Viking! Come on, <laughs> <laughs> Deadhouse Gates broke me so hard, man. I was not really caring for it at first. And Philip was like, ah, "You'll be fine. You'll be fine." But dude, <laughs> the end of that still sticks in my head. All right, I'm yeah. still, I'm still yeah. not okay. Yeah. It's been like a year plus since I finished that. So. Yeah, that's a devastating ending. Yeah, it's a great book. The prologue, I loved in that in that book. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's the book I'm most excited to reread actually in the series because I felt like kind of the same until like the last quarter I, I felt like i was very confused and then like the ending was just tremendous and now going back with the foresight i feel like i would just eat the whole thing up and ikarium and mapo are like two of my favorite characters in the whole universe along with carsa so yeah all about that but yeah and uh, jonathan has a question have you guys re- already read through the sort of truth series i picked up Never. wizard's rule recently happened um, i read the first i i read wizard's first rule i thought it was good enough to keep going in the series and i think i got through the next book and then partway through the third and realized it's not for me when i first got into fantasy and i raided my brother's room for his fantasy books uh i read a sort of truth book i couldn't tell you which one it was or what it was about but at the time i was just like i just want more fantasy because i read lord of the rings and shannara and i was just like give me something you know and that was just what i grabbed i think it was like he said it's like book three or four in the series like oh so that's why i didn't get i didn't get very much so (laughs) that's only my only experience with it that should have prepared you for Malazan, Mike. You should have been a pro at not yeah. knowing what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not that age, definitely. Not. In medias race, yeah. yeah, right in the middle of it. Yeah. Hey, Yolene, can I ask you a question? Yeah, of course. So, recently, I did that 2023 stuff I want to read, and you basically said that you think that live ship traders are gonna be like one of my favorite things ever. Why do you think this? I think so. Well. Yeah. It's completely different, I know, but you like a song of ice and fire so much, and mm-hmm. live ship traders is the only one with Robin Hobb that has a big cast of characters. And I think even though you don't like stories that take place on on ships and stuff like that, it's very different from other books. It's it's more character driven. There's a lot more going on in the plot. It's faster paced than especially the third book in the Farseer trilogy. Mm -hmm. 
So I think it will be more your type of story. I think grass growing is faster than the third book of Far Series. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I actually think it's a low yeah, bar. I think a live ship it could be uh, very much up your. I hate I hate nautical stories. I I don't like Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, man. <laughs> don't like any of that shit. And uh, live ship for me, the family dynamics, the uh, character arcs that happen over just three books, incredible. Yeah. I, I just cool. bought those UK paperbacks. They're like, yep, I got them all up here. They're so good. Wow. Ooh, he's going slow motion. Yeah, yeah. not bad. God I thought he was doing bad. dramatic effect. Goddamn Verizon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those books that everyone tells me I should be reading, but I just haven't gotten to it yet. You need to, Steve, really. Well, I'll just say that for Lightship Traders, uh, you know, Hob, when I finished Farseer, Hob, Hob was kind of like a top 15 author for me. And when I finished Lightship Traders, she was like top three. You know, mm. that's how much I wow. love okay. traders. Um, so. I thought Jake was like ready to fight me if I said I was going to skip it. And I was like, I never said I was going to yeah. skip it. But he was yeah. like, don't you do it. And like, it takes very hey, personal. Yikes. <laughs> but Philip, you said that you um, you cried most of all with Steven Erickson, but oh, Robin yeah. Hobb, no crying? Well, I haven't finished Realm of the Elderlings, so that could happen as well there. Uh, I'm sure. Uh, I have only read the first two trilogies, so mm -hmm. okay. Uh, yeah, and that's something I'm going to be doing probably at this year, actually continuing in Realm of the Elderlings. But yeah, I, I anticipate I'll need some some tissues. Yeah, I think it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mike, what's the last book that made you cry? <laughs> Memory light. Uh. Man, no. Uh, probably Ruin, John mm. Gwynn. Mm. Ruin, uh, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Because I, I was trying to think, because Stephen King's the one who's made me cry the most in my life. Uh, but uh, no, I, I try to think. Most of the stuff I've done with King has all been rereads. So it, nothing's really hit me that hard. Mm. So yeah, I think I, I got to say Ruin. Huh. But you know, hey, I put a whole video up of books that made me cry, guys. So I, I'm like Philip, and then I'm not shy about telling you that a book brings me to tears sometimes. You know. Yep. What about you, Jimmy? What was your last one that made you cry? Oh, let me see. Um, that I can remember. I honestly, I, I want to say Assassin's Fate, the last book in Realm of the Elderlings. I think that was the one, the last one that got me. I feel like there was a King book recently that I read. Oh, 112263. Yeah, no, 112263. Yeah. yeah, that was it. Yeah, it was 112263. That was the last time. You that... can still see the, the tear stains in my hardcover of that book. Yeah, if they don't hit the page, I don't so count it. I, I don't count unless yeah. it hits the page. And 112263 <laughs> is my favorite King book. Blew me away. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just thought that book was tremendous. Huh. It was so good. A great one, yeah. What about you, Jolene? Do you cry? What was the last one that made you cry? Well, I thought that this question was going to come. So I looked at my Goodreads, and it's literally the last book that I finished, which is uh, Pandora by Susan Stokes Chapman. But I cry probably 95% of the time when I'm reading a book. <laughs> I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm extremely emotional, especially if someone dies, which if you read fantasy and if you read Grimdark, th yeah, that probably happens every setting. So yeah. <laughs> That would be 95%. Yeah. 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 Well, and uh, a I, tough guy or tough gal who says they don't cry reading books, read Where the Red Line Grows. 
and oh, all like a baby. So that's all. I remember that book, and uh, we I think uh, Mr. Let me just read that in school. Yeah, yeah, someone read it to us. Like we had like a reading time. They always like read to us after recess to kind of calm us down. And I remember re- re- where the red fern grows, and I remember just being like, "Man, <gasps> yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> terrorist, man, gosh, God, it was so good." Uh, you they know, try to calm you down with that. <laughs> Maybe they yeah. don't know how this works. <laughs> want to soothe us, I guess, with tears. Um, the road also, I just finished the road by Cormac McCarthy, um, about a week or two ago. And that one got me. I forgot about that too. That one got me. Having a kid about that age when I read it for the first time really, really hit me hard. Yeah. I saw the movie first. Uh, It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And now that's probably my favorite non fantasy book of all time. Honestly, I really loved it. Which is wild because I didn't like blood Meridian, but I love the road. Yeah, I'm nervous. I got. I bought the Blood Meridian. I'm. I'm uh, halfway through No Country for Old Men. I love that book. It's going very well. Um, and we'll see what I think of Blood Meridian. I'm very nervous. Most people think it's brilliant, but the people who don't, it doesn't work with. It just doesn't work at all with. So, huh? huh. What yeah. about you, Steve? Uh, are you as stoic as you appear, or do you cry when you read? <laughs> the last one that got me is actually. Uh... The last book I finished, which is Elegy of the Void by Halo Scott. It's the last book in the Rough Cycle series. So the fourth book got me. Yeah, the, the last 20 pages or so are pretty pretty good. Wow. Huh. Huh. Good stuff. Uh, Brent says, if Malazan isn't working for you, maybe try Prince of Nothing. I wanted to love Malazan, but I didn't click. Prince of Nothing and Aspect Emperor by R. Scott Baker did. Yeah, he's uh, he's like the, uh, on my server, he's become like the the... the advocate for all things prince of nothing yeah brent's wow. great it's a great one june Yulene. it's happening yeah okay. <laughs> i don't know if it's the best idea to read it together with melazin but we'll make it work yeah you'll be all right yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like it's it's the pile gets bigger and bigger like yeah we'll because make it work Let's make it in june we're also talking about the third book in melazin right yes i think memories yeah. of ice Cool. Get reading. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't schedule 10 books that month. Just a suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little yeah. bit less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tier ranking. Yeah. yeah. The last one that made me cry was actually Daniel Abraham's The Price of Spring, the fourth book in the Long Price Quartet. Man, you guys are making me feel like I'm missing out with this Daniel Abraham yeah. stuff. It just, I mean, I love the expanse. You know, I guess it ca- technically counts as him. But uh, yeah, I have Long Price and a Dagger in the Coin. Yeah, Dagger in the Coin, I've read. I really enjoyed it. it. It's slow, but I just think he just writes quality. Like I just think he's just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that a lot with Hob. When I did my Why I Decided to Read Hob thing, everybody's like, get ready to cry. I'm like, okay. So Royal Assassin got me. Royal Assassin messed me up pretty bad. So uh, Mike, Mike J has a question for Mike. Uh, has Mike and Nuts done a chat about nothing? Not yet. Not, not yet. yet. I, and we're doing I, one I, now, kind of, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, technically. <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, you know, I was kind of thinking about doing like this, uh, this chat thing like this with a group of people. I said, just like it's a chat about nothing, but, you know, multiple guests. But uh, uh, I have, you know, I, I try to do like three or four months in advance with people just so everybody can work it out in their schedule. But uh, yeah. I like that there's so many long form conversations happening now because like yep. there's podcasts for like everything. Yeah. I came but, up as a podcaster before I did this. So yeah, it, 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 it oh. scratch that itch. What was your podcast about? Uh, just, uh, well, first I did sports and then I moved to just like uh, pop culture media, you know, 
TV, cool. movies, comic books, video games, just about anything that was going on. And that was just, this was something I did on the side. And I was like, wow, this is getting way more attention than the podcast is. Maybe I'll try this a little more. <laughs> so Make damn Kendall videos, man. The Kendall videos brought me a lot of people. It's really, really wild. And mm -hmm. thing is, like, I go back and watch that. You guys ever go back and watch your old videos? No, no, am I right? I mean, I go back and watch that first Thank Kendall you. video. It's awful. It is awful. And it's got 100,000 views. <laughs> and I just, I hate that that's some people's, you know, first experience with the channel. But I hope that they'll do that. And they'll say, well, let me click on this guy's channel and see what else he's going to be like. Oh, okay. He actually looks like he has a professionally run channel now. Because, yeah, it's just it's awful. Awful. <laughs> Oh, that's that's where I that's my introduction to booktube and I was like, this guy knows what he's talking about. Subscribe. <laughs> yes. That's why I bought a Kindle. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, I wish it, uh I got all the money that people think Amazon sends me for those. That's <laughs> <laughs> why uh, apparently I wasn't rough enough on the Wheel of Time TV show, and it's because Amazon was giving me that Kindle money. That's that, that was that. Was uh, of course. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. All right. Uh, ZK asks, have, have any have any of you guys just idly flip through the first page of a book, read the first sentence, and go, "Oh my God, I have to read I have to read this ASAP." For me, it's Jenny Wirtz, "The Right to Hell's Chasm." I have a video about best first lines in books. I mean, I remember the day that I read, you know, "The Man in Black Fled Across the Desert," and the gunslinger falling. I said, "Holy shit, what is this?" Yeah, I couldn't mm. stop. Yeah, yeah. I say the blade itself was probably that book for me. Um, <laughs> just that opening scene and boom. You know, like, okay, this is going to be good. Hmm. That's a good choice. Yolene, what about you? I'm I'm thinking about it right now, and I don't think that I have that feeling anymore just because I know so much about the book before I pick it up because hmm. I watch so much BookTube. Like pre-BookTube, when I picked up a book and the first page was actually good, I was surprised. And I think <laughs> that, <laughs> well, now I, I know everybody tells me that it's amazing, so of course it's going to be amazing. But I do know that I read Mistborn before BookTube, as well as The Grim Company by Luke Skull. Oh, I have and, those. Yeah. Oh, those are good. I, are they? Okay. I, I know that that's an unpopular opinion, but I actually like that original trilogy more than First Law. We'll see. That's a, the First Law. That's what everybody recommended to me. They said yeah. it's a lesser known series, but I think you'll like it a lot. And I paid way too much for the hardcovers, and then I never read them. <laughs> but they are so, pretty. <laughs> yes, they are pretty. Book collecting is a real problem. Real problem. Mm -hmm. It is. What about you, Jimmy? Uh, well, so how about uh, the one that I can think of off the top of my head, but I actually haven't read the book yet, is Name of the Wind. I, I, I've read oh, like, yeah. the first paragraph, and I'm just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. But what I do, and I do this Great all the time, I wait. I, I go, okay, I'm going to love this book. I'm going to wait for a rainy day, like after a really bad time right with a book and i'm down in a slump. I'll, I'll pull that off the shelf, and that's my slump buster. I did that with uh, uh, First Law. I knew I was going to love First Law. I just knew it. So uh, I think it was after the fourth Wheel of Time book, and I just wasn't in it. And I was kind of like, ah, oh, man, maybe Rick reading is not for me because everyone's telling me how I just don't understand. That it's so great. And I'm like, I just don't get it. So I was like, all right, well, I'll just read First Law, and we'll see what happens. And First Law took off. So I've kind of saved Name of the Wind in that same regard, waiting for like a little bit of a slump or a down period, and then I'll pick it up and, uh, and rifle through it. I, I have uh, strong feelings that I'm probably going to really like it. Yeah, nice. What was the last one for you? Ooh, Fahrenheit 451. That's a good one. It was a pleasure to burn. It's a great first line. Mm. <laughs> Love Ray Bradbury. Brandy's got a good comment there in the chat. Uh, I think you would appreciate it too, Steve. Uh, Richard Nell, King of Paradise, Kings of Paradise. As an opening, that is definitely a great hook. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's a good book. I can't wait to go back to that series this fall. 
I'm at books two and three finally. Book two is so good. And that's why I hear. And the thing is, everybody tell like Petrick. I was talking to Petrick, and he told me he's like, "Man, if you like the first book, buckle up, because it's it's mm-hmm. definitely the least best out of all three of them." I'm like, "Wow." wow. Yeah, I agree. AP yeah. is tempting me to start reciting Beowulf with that comment there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Our collaboration video, the first like minute and a half was Philip speaking something. I don't know what, Klingon or something. <laughs> <laughs> Our Beowulf chat. Yeah. Sorry, Mike. I, I, I should apologize Great. to you. That's, that. what I, that's why I had you on because for, for moments like that, because I can't do that. Yeah. yeah. Johanna, it's June. You can, there's, there's time. <laughs> it's happening. Yeah. Well, Eric uh, finished Prince of Nothing this week. Very good. Waiting for Grimdark, but never got there. Hmm. Wow. Oh, I. You know what, Eric? I actually kind of agree with you. I think some of the darkness is a little bit overblown, and I think it's a lot more about the philosophy that's dark rather than the um, graphic content. Like, I've read books that have more grotesque, um, violent scenes um, that are more like shock and awe, but I feel like Prince of Nothing is just, there's just like zero humor, and it's just very bleak. And I think that is more uh, why people find it to be grimdark rather than just something that's like overtly disgusting. Though there is at least one scene in that trilogy that's pretty bad, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, to be read, so the chemistry between Edie Falco and mm-hmm. James Gandolfini is the strength of that show. Really phenomenal. Yeah, there's some great scenes with them together. Him asking her for baked ZD every five minutes. Yeah. Where's the gobble goo? Yeah. <laughs> the fucking gobble goo. Right? God. It's got pulp in it. I asked for some pulp. <laughs> what a show. Oh my God. I've watched it a few dozen times. Yeah. Pretty good stuff. Uh, I'm loving the Dark Tower, but I think it would have been super hard to read these books as they released, given King would write and release so many other books. While you were waiting for the next That's dark time. what made the wait between four and five so hard because mm-hmm. he was putting out books at the whole the, during that whole time and they weren't bad, but there was nothing like blowing you away, like bag of bones and like from a Buick Gate. These are decent books, but I'm like, oh my God. It's like it's like Brandon Sanderson putting out like sky whatever books when it's like, dude, write Stormlight, please. <laughs> you know? I'm not yeah. getting any younger. So yeah, it <laughs> kind of had that feeling to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, fifty red will have to dis- agree to disagree on that one. Original Dexter series also. Oh, I was good. out after after se- season four was phenomenal, and then season five came yeah, out. They switched writers. Quick. It went from the best write- written show on TV to like what happened. <laughs> the old writing strike got him. Yeah, they, and so. just like True Blood on HBO, same thing. It's just like that writing strike will go down in infinite. You guys remember the heroes? Remember how good the heroes was before the writer strike? Oh, wow. Anybody remember that? Yeah, it was amazing when it first came out. And then it was like writer strike and it came back. And I was like, wow, this is pretty bad. Yeah, and that was cable TV. Like I was a network t- or NBC, I think, yeah. or something. And like that was at a time where you didn't see those kind of successful shows on like NBC and such. Yeah, I forgot about the heroes. Yeah, I think Battlestar Galactica was about the only one that recovered from it. Even it struggled a little bit, but it was about the only one that recovered from well to finish its show after the writer's strike, in my opinion. Yeah. Carl says Lost has six seasons, not eight, right? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm I'm going to agree with Eric here. When Larry David left Seinfeld after season six, I think, the quality dipped. I will hear none of this. Yeah, I'm going to disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, you could just put Jason Alexander in a coffee shop and him just talk, and I'd I'd be in. Another unpopular opinion, I think Kirby Enthusiasm was better than Seinfeld. I still have yet to watch it, so I don't I've only watched the first episode, it was really good. I haven't I haven't continued yet. I need to. Parks and Rec. I didn't watch the finale because I didn't want it to be over. 
Uh-oh. Epic Tales has a Friends is greater than Seinfeld. I don't know. Hey, I love that. them both. I love them both. Uh, people like, always got to pick one. I'm like, how about just both? I'll take both. Uh, the consumer wins this way. I don't know. It's just me. And oh, Dark. All right. Yeah. I've heard it's really Dude, good. Dark was so good. That's probably the best written show on Netflix. It's so amazing. And it's short. It's only three seasons, guys. It is excellent. Mm-hmm. I've seen it a few times already. Yeah. Really good. Uh, the Northman yeah. is really solid. Yeah. Okay. You liked like it, Philip? Did you like it? Yeah, Philip, did you like it? You like you the don't movie? know if I like the Northman. Um, well, let's just put it this way. Uh, it's got so much going for it and as a as a medievalist as an icelandic saga dude i loved the movie it was just fantastic i mean in so many respects you can tell they put a lot into this movie a lot of attention to detail a lot of uh they're 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 really into the lore they've consulted people who really know their stuff like historians like that directors burn me twice archaeologists and no th- th- this is a good film you're i think you're gonna like this film you did the witch right they did The Witch and Lighthouse, oh. two movies that people love. And I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I didn't get it. I liked The Witch. I, I thought the atmosphere was great. I never saw Lighthouse. Yeah. So never it, it, it's, it, it is. There is some kind of art house direction in the film as well. Um, and that has to do with the lore and the mythology and stuff like that. Um, but I, I thought they did it well. I thought it was really a, a cool part of the film. I will say that it is a very, very grim movie and it's that's why i'm not going to go immediately rewatch it it's just a really grisly story i mean that's it's it's really uh it's brutal it's absolutely brutal uh so you know that said it i i did love it so yeah awesome uh paul says the second bob newhart show ending was good Severance was absolutely amazing. So good. Yeah, and apparently they owe Michael R. Fletcher some money. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Honestly, I really want to read the short story now. Mm-hmm. It's like the first thing I did when I finished the show, I was like, okay, is there a book? Like, I, I would, I need to read this. I need to know what happens next. Um, mm-hmm. I think Apple TV has a week or a month trial, and it's only like five bucks after that. So, like, if people want to binge it, you can binge it and just cancel your subscription if you wanted to. I, I might even make a video about Severance. Maybe. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Probably wow. not. Read a collection of obsessions first, and then. All right, <laughs> fair, fair enough. <laughs> I think. Uh, has, well, has anyone seen the Ozark finale yet? I tapped out after about season two of Ozark. Is it out yet? I thought they were releasing the um, the second half of the final season. Like, oh, maybe it, maybe it was today. It might have been today. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not too not too excited about it. It's kind of dipped. But I do think binge the whole binge thing is on its on its way to uh, it's on its way to an early graver, too late grave, I guess. Yeah, well, I think uh, especially with Netflix finally losing subscribers for the first time, they're going to start reevaluating how they're releasing content, what kind of content releasing, and I do think a weekly release makes a lot more sense as a business because mm-hmm. like I know people who binge things in twenty four hours and they literally just cancel the service the next day, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do week by week, they get behind. They go, I'll watch. It. I don't want to cancel it yet because I'll watch. You know, and then keep them on the hook a little longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it builds that that uh, builds that the talk, and you know, it get it gains popularity and gets some traction going when you have yeah. some break in between episodes. I mean, I'm a binge watcher myself, but 
I know that a lot more people aren't. So I'm like, I never watch it on release day anyway. So by the time I watch it, it'll probably be completely out. So I, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I, I think that probably helped Netflix a lot. Because I mean, was Mandalorian that great? Not really. But you know what? It generated a lot of discussion between mm. week, you know, and I think that really helped carry that. So I think about like something like The Witcher. If The Witcher had been like weekly, probably would have been even bigger for them. I, I would agree with that. And also one thing that uh, the binging does that uh, weekly releases get by is that, um, you know, if we all decide to watch the last scene of The Expanse or even just The Expanse as a show. I might be in season two and you're in season one. Like yeah. We could be on different episodes. So it makes the conversation also a little bit harder um, to, to have until like, you know, at least three months. Everyone's watching like, OK, I can finally start talking about all of it. So it's nice whenever you have the water cooler talk and everyone is kind of at the same spot, right? And uh, Fitzgerald Red says, "Curious, since it flies under the radar, uh, my favorite dystopian, but one of my favorite dystopian books is King's The Running Man. Any fans, Mike? I'm ready yet. You know, uh, as far as his Bachman books go, Running Man is probably one of my least favorite. Uh, I don't know if because I loved the Running Man movie as a kid because it was Arnold. That book's nothing like that movie, by the way." But uh, it was fine. I liked a lot of the ideas, a lot of the ideas that have been, you know, kind of stolen by uh, <laughs> Hunger Games and things like that. But I, I think, I don't know, I always kind of think about a lot of those, a lot of those stories feel like they kind of took everything from The Running Man and The Long Walk and kind of took all those ideas. Whereas I'm just like, I love The Long Walk, Running Man. I was just like, eh, okay on. But uh, it's like I said with Abercrombie, with King, I think even a really a bad King is usually pretty decent, at least for me. And thanks to the bald to the bald booktuber enjoying the uh, praise for Queen Hob. Also, eleven twenty two sixty three is an absolute masterpiece. I feel bad if I ever say anything bad about Robin Hogg. I know it's going to hurt Scott because it's Scott, gonna hurt, yeah, it's going to hurt Scott, bad. Yeah. I just released like the thumbnail for my uh, what, uh, Assassin's Quest when I was like, and he was like already upset and just like <laughs> shook about it. <laughs> oh. Felt terrible. Scott's Aww. such a good dude. Yeah, no, he's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, did anyone watch the adaptation on Hulu? Yeah, I actually liked it. I, I, I like James. I know if James Franco is like oh, yeah. an asshole, apparently, but I thought he was great in it. No, I loved it. I thought it was really good. And then people were like shocked for me because there is changes from the book. I'm like, look at most Stephen King adaptations. It's mm -hmm. pretty good. It's pretty good. And you know what? My mm -hmm. wife never read the book and she was in tears in the last scene. So I was like, well, they did it right then, you know? Yeah, they. I thought they did a nice job. And I think Franco played that role really well. And Sadie can call me asap please yes. certainly <laughs> <laughs> okay. like rainbows and puppies yeah prince of nothing makes melodon look like rainbows and puppies <laughs> oh okay. i would agree with that wow i don't know if i can handle that much crawling around the mud <laughs> <laughs> there you go mm -hmm. yeah there you go mike always happy to help yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's when I want to get to. I, I, I've got a couple people in my discord right now that are reading Richard Nell and they are just absolutely loving it. They're saying, you know, even though it's self-published, they can't tell yeah. all these things. And I'm like, well, that's all good signs for me. And it's grim dark. So I'll probably love it. I think you're going to love it, Jimmy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. You think, uh, Philip, I didn't know you read it. Yeah. I've, I've read Kings of Paradise. I have not read books oh. two and three yet. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I actually have a chat with Richard Nell on my channel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, Great guy. Super too. guy. Yeah. Me, and him, me and him could talk for like six days and everyone else will talk about what's his background i mean has he been writing his whole life does he have to do something else i'm always curious about that kind of thing yeah he quit his uh his day job to just go for it and be a writer oh, yeah. 
um and he's you know yeah um he's from uh where is saskatchewan up in canada I think? yeah yeah but he's uh, he's actually moving to texas like yeah more people do so. <laughs> <laughs> yep uh so yeah i mean and he didn't set out to write grimdark necessarily in fact he yeah. says i think he says he didn't even know what grimdark was um but yeah was like you got somebody eating a kid on like page two man shut up you didn't know write grimdark. <laughs> yeah jesus yeah, Jimmy, you're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. it. Brutal, yeah, thanks, Phil. Brutal <laughs> yeah. as Westeros or, or, or Adua, any of those places. It's as brutal as any land, fancy land I've read. Sure. Yeah. It's a, it's Steve. It's still your your favorite, right? I mean, it's like yeah. your favorite fantasy series. Yes, but after Prince of Nothing, uh, I don't know if if the quality oh. from that trilogy is. All right, you guys are making me regret saying I was gonna read Gene Wolfe before this. Gosh. <laughs> June be one of us oh no way <laughs> <laughs> i am at least finishing malazan first yeah for sure. yeah uh fit to be read said jimmy i was obsessed with wwf in the 80s haven't watched since but huge nostalgia feels when a hogan rock stone cold wrestlemania popped up you liked it uh yeah yeah i mean i i don't really know which clip you're talking about but i mean i like all of those people i spent a week with piper uh whenever i was doing a loop down in Charleston, West Virginia, and I got uh, I got some really amazing um, advice, uh, life and wrestling wise, from Piper, and uh, I consider cool. him to be one of the nicest human beings I've ever met. And for him to take, uh, you know, time out of his day to treat me like an equal uh, was that went a long way with me because I, I met a lot of people in the business that were not good people. Uh, that was very disappointing. But Piper was, uh, I mean, he's one of a kind. One of a kind. Completely opposite of the way he is on Piper's Pit. <laughs> yes, 100%. I, I was in Piper's Pit. I did Piper's Pit in um, Meadfield, I think, Westford, or no, Pennsylvania. I can't remember what it was. But I did Piper's Pit, and his son was there. And his son at the time um, was a 10-0 and UK MMA fighter. Wow. And, you know, he's trying to get into the business and Piper's like, oh, it's going to be great, man. You're going to interrupt it and then you're going to come in. He's going to hit you with a big Superman punch. I'm like, OK, cool. And the guy's like, uh, you know, how should I do? I'm like, dude, just lay it in. It's fine. Dude knocked me out cold, out cold, <laughs> punched me in the forehead, which getting knocked out, getting hit in the forehead, it's very difficult, especially this five head. Very difficult. <laughs> wow. Dude laid me out in front of like 3000 people. <laughs> Good time. What, what do they do in professional wrestling when somebody's actually knocked out? I mean, laugh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I got knocked out one time by a knee drop and I came to and I was getting body slammed on the concrete. And I'm like, what the hell did I get here? <laughs> Terrible. Not good for you. Not good for you. Wow. And my kid loves Roddy now because we watched They Live, and I actually let him go around like quoting lines that Roddy says in that movie. So now he loves Roddy Piper. It's all out of bubblegum, dude. That movie's awesome. It's excellent. You weren't kidding about those concussions, Jimmy. Jeez. No, I've had way too many. Entirely too many. And one was enough for me. Uh, Not fun. (laughs) Imagine it's like being like really just like blackout drunk. I'm a bit, you know, more painful when you wake up. Yeah, and then watching TV hurts for like a week, and you're just like, this is miserable. What was the last concussion you had, Yolene? Wrestling concussion. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Back in your street days, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, given most fantasy books are, are big old door stoppers, what are your best suggestions for pellet cleansers? Hmm. <sighs> This is why I read so much Crichton and Stephen King over the years, because I always wanted something that wasn't like book one of eight, 
you know so that's that that's always was always my go-to but as far as like like fantasy i mean like literally when everybody asks me this i feel like i should know something but all i ever kind of fall to is warbreaker by sanderson is, is a pretty good one i thought yeah as like a how about uh, disc world terry pratchett's disc world books hmm, i like that yeah. Hmm. I want to say Dresden, but Dresden becomes more apparently because I'm only on book three. Yeah. Um, right. What about Paranesi by Susanna Clark? That's oh, a beautiful standalone. And it's yeah. a quick read. Yeah. Quick read. And I think it has a lot of room for interpretation. And like the discussion around that book has been really, really quality. So that'd be my. my Am I the only one here who hasn't read Paranesi yet? I haven't. I want to read it. I want to read it. Yeah. Say Philip's like review may be interested in it. So. It's a beautiful book. I mean, it's I it's like going it. to be it's it's different. It's different. Um, and don't expect actually like a plot or anything. But <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Who needs a plot? <laughs> actually, you so, would like Seinfeld after all. You know, who needs a plot? There you go. There you go. I like the blade <laughs> itself. People say that that whole trilogy has no plot, and I'm like, I, I get so angry when people say that. Yeah, I was like, Are you sure you read it? <laughs> have they ever read, like, oh, man, you know? Listen, for anyone in here <laughs> that is listening to us talk, if if you uh, have a critique of a book and the first thing you start out with nothing happens, hmm. you probably should reevaluate <laughs> because that is not like when someone tells me like that's the first thing coming out. Of my, oh, I hated the blade, and nothing happened, and I just go, I I'm not going to trust anything else you're saying because you're lying. Like, the definition of something you know what i mean like it's just such a it's like oh this book this book uh had no character development it's like well it probably did right it just sucked mm -hmm. like there's a difference it drives me crazy sorry random rant hey no i have those things too and i kind of approach it like you do i'm not going to argue with you i just know i'm not going to take your opinion seriously <laughs> yeah, just like, like when someone I, says tolkien is aged out i just like yeah, you're allowed to say that yeah, yeah. What it's was your name again? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Steve, can you highlight Tiago's comment there about Jimmy's oh, concussion, please? Can we not? Yeah. Can can we? Listen, can we? I would yeah, smash okay. Alan. Okay. I'm a, I'm yeah, a very yeah. passive person. I will smash Alan on camera. <laughs> catch Ooh, case, okay. In point of fact, it actually wasn't Alan. It was Joanna from I was attacked with an alligator. With an alligator. That I think that, wow. that was another concussion, right? I didn't yeah, know these, I would, uh, these book two meetups got so wild, man. Yeah. <laughs> I would never, I would never. Maybe harm I don't Alan. want to make the next one. <laughs> I would never harm Alan. Alan's a doll. I love him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What about you, Yuli? What's a good palate cleanser? Um, I think I would probably go with The Binding by Bridget Collins because it's also a standalone and it's completely different than most of the fantasy that I've read. So I think it would be a good one to read in between. It's also one that I would like to reread because some of the things that happen in the middle of the book completely change your perception of the beginning. So you want to reread it. And those are the best books for me. Yeah, I could get behind that. I, I always like whenever you have a retrospect on book one and go, man, that actually was really good. Daniel Abraham does that a lot. Like his book ones get just crapped on by people. But then when you finish it and you look back and you're like, man, like that dude had it all set up from the beginning. You know, that's always a great feeling. I love a series that you can look back on it and it actually gets better as you go along in hindsight because of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. And Leslie is here. Hey, Leslie. Yulene has or uh, Johanna has one Legends of Lighthouse by oh, Travis. Yeah. I've heard about this so much lately. Yeah. What is this? Bard? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think Patrick's it's Patrick's fault. Uh, <laughs> it's always Patrick's one. fault. 
<laughs> it's always is it the new I mean, a lot of the things I've read have been Petrick's fault. Yep. God bless them. Yep. Oh, this looks cool. I never would have discovered John. I mean, I probably would have eventually discovered John Gwynn, but I wouldn't have prioritized John Gwynn if I like I had if I if, if it weren't for Patrick being a personal hype man. <laughs> this book looks weird. Yeah, it's making the rounds. Pretty popular right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brent says, when I need a pellet cleanser, I, I like to read outside of SFF, Jack Carr, Michael Conley, and Mark Greeny. Yeah, I usually, I, I do usually lean on stuff like that. Like, honestly, Cormac McCarthy is just giving me all kinds of life right now. And then on top of that, uh, Ted Chang's uh, Stories of Your Life and Others, which is considered sci-fi, but, like, it's a lot more grounded than a lot of, you know, you know it's, it's very, like, hard science sci-fi. I like those for pellet cleansers, too, like short story collections and stuff. I'm a big fan. So, Jimmy, when you do organize BookTube Con, is, is there going to be a ring? No, I'm retired. <laughs> I ain't getting in a ring ever again, dude. Dude, la- dude, the last time I was in a ring, I think, was my friend Kakoa got married in one because he's, he's been, his whole family's been wrestling. He's, he's, he's a Samoan. And, dude, okay. Kakoa, if you're watching, I'm sorry, I'm out on you, but oh my God, it was Bob. So, this dude had his wedding in a wrestling ring. And then instead of like dancing after, he wrestled his wife. In a full fledged match, they're like taking bum. What I was just like, this is this. I'd been out of the world for a while and I forgot like just how strange it all is, you know. And I was just like, what am I doing? Chico, I love you. You probably don't watch me, but I love you. Wow, (laughs) wow, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. No rings for me, I'm good. So, uh, Philip, when you, I think you mentioned this before about reviews, that you, whenever you do re- a review, you try to imagine the author in the room with you. Yeah. How, how tough is that to have a review for a book that you didn't enjoy, but you want to give it a review? Well, so I, I, I keep it respectful. Basically, that's what that means. And that doesn't mean that I'm not critical. Uh, you, you know, there are books that obviously, even some books that I really like that have flaws in them, but... I wouldn't put it in a way that's disrespectful. I would try to put it in a way that um, points out what I consider, and this is somewhat subjective too, of course, but what I consider to be, you know, let's say, you know, uh, with the Poppy War trilogy, I'll give that as an example, because it's a a trilogy that I actually liked for the most part. I thought that Rin was a brilliant character, but I also thought that there were some moments of uh, narrative kind of clunkiness that uh, could have been a little bit better. There were things that were sort of, there was a lot of hype, in, you know, uh, introducing a big thing that was going to happen. And then it was a real kind of like, wait, weren't you going to go somewhere with that? Or there were moments where clearly a character was just sort of wheeled in for a big moment, but there was no um, working up to that moment. And so the moment itself was really brilliant, but uh, it would have been even better or it would have hit me harder if there had been actually build up to it, you know? So things like that, you just, you don't, don't say things that you wouldn't say to somebody if they weren't right there, you know? Um, and that, that it just, I think it keeps me honest in a way that is respectful. So that's just how I, that's me. I'm not telling everybody that's how you have to go about it because people have different styles. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do imagine that the author somehow actually is going to watch my video, which is probably never the case, but, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, that's what I'm thinking. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't, 
I guess it's also just being empathetic. Look, I mean, these people put their sweat and their blood and their tears into this. And it's a lot of work to write a book. It's a lot of work. And I think if you just for a moment think about that and that somebody's put their soul into this, uh, I think it's it's actually perhaps, at least my way of thinking is that it's a bit uh, unthinking to just go off in, in a way that's disrespectful or cruel on a book. Uh, just ex You cannot like it, that's fine, but you need, I think, to explain in a respectful way why. But it's, that's just me, though. Mm -hmm. Colton, this is the way. This is the way. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Yulene? How do you how do you uh, how do you manage negative reviews or lukewarm reviews? Hmm. Well, I I always try to be respectful as well, but I can't imagine having the author in the room with me because I I can't say anything negative. Then it's like I I told you this before, Steve. If you invite an author for a live discussion, I will only come if I absolutely love the book. Hmm. Otherwise, I will be lying. I can't even give like slight criticism. So I I will always stay respectful, but I, I need to keep thinking they will never see this review because otherwise I would be lying. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, but on the other hand, I don't really feel bad saying anything negative because I don't really think you should be looking up reviews of your own work unless you're yeah. you know, prepared to maybe hear something negative. But yeah, I, I just try to be as honest as possible. And if I don't like something, especially if it's like a new release and I know that the author isn't that well known, I'll just keep it for a wrap up. Or I'll mention it on Discord and I'll let people know, but I wouldn't put out a negative review. And if it's a very big author, like I didn't like Wheel of Time, I don't think they're going to lose sales with my negative review. Right. So that's fine, but that's not why like I don't review self-published authors is because I'm like I don't want to be the person who just torpedoes your maybe budding career. Definitely yeah. not. I don't there like is it. that. There is that, and you know it is subjective, right? So like something might not work for one of us, but it could work for a large audience. But if one of us has a platform that influences even a couple hundred people, that could be it for a self-pub. That, that's yeah. that's yep. really tough. That's yeah. true. Hey, we got a shout out, Andrew, in the chat there. Congratulations, Andrew, on the birth of your baby. Yeah, yeah. it's all been fun and games up to this point. You got two of them now? Well, welcome to the real game. <laughs> One is easy. It's like having a dog. You got two of them? Forget about it. <laughs> My life went from like, this is this this has like been completely overblown. This is no big deal. Once that second one showed up, oh my God, what have I done? Yeah, that's when the gray showed up. And yeah. <laughs> but hey, kids are great. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Especially when the negative reviews. I'm with Leslie here. I don't I don't really like to do the rant thing. I guess the closest I ever got was my uh my name of the wind video, which is stupidly popular, and I hate that because it was like I said, it's back when I had a crappy cap, crappy camera and sound quality and stuff like that. But, you know, so I hate that. that's one of my most viewed videos anyhow. Uh, but even in that, at the end, I say, I still encourage you to read it, and make up your own mind. Don't take my word as gospel. These are just things that I didn't get, you know, mm -hmm. that, that's all I had to review, uh, uh, the hunger by Omakatsu, which I could, I thought it was, I just did not like that book like at all. And I'd already had on my schedule for fright fest. So I was already locked into doing it and I felt sick putting that out because i was just like mm -hmm. god what if she watches this you know i yeah so i i try to stay away from negative reviews i mean even even a negative review i can still spin all the positive i can out of it i think you know but uh but yeah it would just that would just 
devastate me as an author to see someone saying stuff like that. So I, yeah. thankfully I get so many recommendations of books that are really well received that I usually have mostly good things to say about them. It just maybe sometimes they don't work for me. So <laughs> I've kind of avoided that for the most part, you know, really books I just didn't really like, or I just don't review them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about like, you, Jim? Like Lightbringer 4. I just didn't review it. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, um, I'm not always or ever really interested. If I, if I really didn't like a book, like I didn't really like Cage of Souls by Adrian Shafkowski very much. Um, I thought there was a lot of like, actually, you know what? I think I could review that book because I am disappointed rather than I thought it was bad, if that makes right. sense. Like there yeah. were so many potential in the ideas that he was putting forth and it was like really off the wall and weird, which I'm a big fan of. Um, so I was just so let down by the book that it made me want to review it. Maybe one day I will. Um, but I enjoy enjoying things and I also, um, vet my reads pretty hard before I go in. Now my random, I do a random Patreon pick every month and that, that can get crazy, right? Like that can just be something totally off the wall. So I can't really control that. I don't think I shy away from negative reviews, but I do try to approach it from a, uh, neutral stance of what is this book? What kind of perspectives is it told in? What are, what is it trying to do? Right. Like, what is it trying to accomplish? What are the tropes that it uses um, and all of these things? How, how does the author use perspective? Uh, do, do, it, do they do a good job of holding that? Um, these are all things that I can talk about. And then I will throw in a subjective dash of whatever I think even, and always, yeah. always say, and this is me. This is my opinion, because I think the issue with negative reviews and, and there's I think it's like a really gray area. But one of the issues is and, and this happens when people, you know, end up getting bigger and bigger and bigger um you know you say things with confidence because you've reviewed books and you and you know what you like right and you're speaking from your personal wants and and uh satisfactory like what makes you happy when you read right um but when you you can say it in a way that makes it sound like you're an authority or that you have some sort of deeper understanding of whatever this book is right uh like the characterization was just trash Mm -hmm. da 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 and I think that in the way you say something is almost as important as how or what you say. And it can come off that way. Um, you know, I've seen uh, videos where I totally disagree with the person, right, on the review. But they say it in such a way where I almost doubt myself. I go, oh, oh my God, maybe I'm the I'm an idiot. You know, so I think I'm very careful to frame things as this is my personal experience. This is what I like. You know, I'm not a big fan of love triangles. There's a love triangle in this book. Therefore, I did not like this. But if you like love triangles, you may like this um, kind of thing. I will push back a little bit, uh, Philip, on what you said. And you were talking about, you know, authors being in the same room. I actually really like that. But I think whenever you step up and uh, say, I'm going to have a conversation about this book, I think you have to be able to um, take some harsh criticism. Oh, yeah. and, and and maybe and you know what you did say keep it respectful but like right. that is also a line that some people's level for respect is different you know what i mean like they don't want to hear anything that might be negative um when yeah you, but then you, you shouldn't be a writer <laughs> that, that's what i was going to say so i had a really tough time i remember whenever i first started getting a little bit of steam in wrestling uh, i started looking up online reviews of like some of my stuff and man like it really hurt like i was like man like this guy thinks i'm the shits like this is the worst thing ever right um yeah. but you kind of accept that like you accept that you're going to be going into the public opinion and the public eye and it could be really brutal and i don't think that anyone should be adding into that noise but at the same time um you know kind of i actually like what jolene said like where uh what jolene said is like she has to be honest 
so I, if I was a writer, I'd actually want to watch her review, you know, yeah. because I know she's going to, I guess I should be reaching this way. I know she's <laughs> going to be honest. <laughs> um, so I don't know. It's a really fine line myself. I always try to frame everything as my own subjective personal experience. Uh, I'm a moron. Don't listen to me, but here you are. You know, that's, that's kind of how I always yeah. phrase things, but I, I like talking about books that have a mix of good and bad and in, in, in the potential that it had rather than if I just despised a book. Cause I'll just DNF. I, I actually very rarely DNF. Uh, but if I did, like, what I don't feel comfortable talking about if I didn't finish it. That was yep. really long-winded. I apologize. No, I think you made some good points. And I would just respond by agreeing with uh, Jonathan in the chat that to, it's a weird thing to be, a, I think, a successful writer. You have to have some amount of hubris, but you also have to have a certain amount of humility mm -hmm. because, yay, A, you have to have enough, uh, I think, belief in yourself to do this thing. And it does take a lot, I think. Um, and B though, you have to have humility because you got to listen to people who are giving you legitimate and a respectful criticism mm -hmm. because it can help you become better. So you have to be able to take that, I think. Uh, so yeah, from, so from a, a writer's perspective, I agree with you. I, I would want to watch Jolene's reviews of my, of my stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, another thing someone said in the chat, they said, as long as it's about the work and not about the author. And I actually think that's a really important distinction because I see a lot of people who make very bombastic claims about, you know, there's a sexist character in a book. Therefore, the author believes in sexism. And I think that's just an, a ridiculous mischaracterization of work. And yeah, like, yeah. you know, like read a little deeper, folks. Like, I, I don't know. That bothers me yeah. a lot. Read the comments of my Ender's Game review. Yeah. No, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. I mean, I, I know that uh, Dur uh, Brian Lee Durfee has had criticisms waved at him before that, you know, he may uh, may or may not share some of the beliefs of some of his worst characters. And I, I don't believe that for a second. Um, and and th that's just one example that comes to mind. Um, there's also a lot of that in uh, Malazan, which makes me laugh because I think Stephen Erickson might be the most thoughtful author ever. <laughs> like he thought about every single thing he put in and why it was there. Um, which is not something all authors do. Um, but I've seen claims even weighted at him that, you know, women in Malazan are not treated fair or whatever it might be. And it's like, well, if there's ever the an example of that is because it's a critique of those things. It's not because he endorses it. And I mean, talk to the guy once, you'll know it, you know. And uh, I would love to watch the videos of authors reacting to the contradictorians rant reviews and their stuff. It would be like watching celebs read mean tweets. Plus, uh, this up pretty good videos pretty pretty tough yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> pretty some pretty entertaining ones this is, i bet i know what it is crow <laughs> what is, yeah. we we me and him basically when he first uh joined my patreon he came on saying that uh basically my opinions about what happened to Lightbringer, what brought him there. But yet he was still going to finish reading Lightbringer, even though he was miserable with it. But he said he went too far to go back. And I was like, well, I quit with one book left. I, I don't, I don't DNF books very often, but I will DNF a series. If it loses me, I didn't, I didn't finish Poppy yep. War. I didn't finish Demon Cycle. I didn't finish Lightbringer. So, I mean, I, I'll do that, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's going to rant about Lightbringer five, which he forced himself to read. What made you uh, not finish Poppy War? 
Uh, unlike Philip, I did not like Ren like whatsoever, and I just well, I, I didn't know. like her. I thought she was a great character. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I just I wasn't really feeling it. Like like the big stuff happened at the end of book two, and I found myself like indifferent. Hmm. And then all the feedback about how book three, if you didn't like what was going on, book three was way way divisive. And I was just like, I don't like that divisive word. That usually because I usually end up on <laughs> the end that doesn't like it. Yeah. So it was just one of those. Was like I just wasn't enjoying myself. So. Yeah, I felt myself finishing that trilogy in spite of my lack of enjoyment of Rin as a uh, I I actually agree with Philip. I actually think she's a very interesting and complex character, but I mean, not fun to read about, to be honest. Like, you know, she's just so (laughs) wild. I like book one a lot, but yeah, Yeah, I I ended up finishing it and I just uh, I'll never read it again. But like I can definitely mention Rin in any video that has like, you know, uh, controversial protagonists that would definitely be at the top Mm -hmm. of my list. For sure. Yeah. The problem is that authors have to meet various subjective standards depending on the reader and their mood and reviews don't. That's a very good point. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Andrew said Ren is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like her as a character too. I didn't care for the third book especially, but I did like her as a character. Yeah. I mean, it's... It, it's uh you know and also i'm not actually super familiar with uh the prince of thorns but i know that jorg is also a character that is very polarizing so i think it takes a lot of gall to write a character like rin or jorg is it jorg am i saying it right i, I haven't read it i always That's said jorg i asked mark lawrence way back when and he told me it was pronounced george so <laughs> george <laughs> okay. he might have been trolling me he is that type I hope he was. He might have been yeah. having you on there. It's like putting Kyle in fantasy. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> you guys ever heard George Carlin stand up about Kyle, like boys' names? I, I, I have one point. I'm sure I have. I've watched oh, all his specials. It's it's a. Uh, I'll, I'll let people Google it. It's very funny. <laughs> I, I couldn't do it the service it deserves. So. And I'm with Andrew. I, I love talking about books that excite me. So if I loved a book, it gets a review. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely more excited to talk about books I like. I'm, I'm not. Yeah. Jim, you talked about how you'll watch someone else's review. And you'll start doubting yourself. That was me when uh, after I finished the first book of Cradle and I watched Andrew's review and he's like, this is how amazing it was. I was like, maybe <laughs> I just missed it. <laughs> you know? so, maybe there's something wrong with me. Yeah. That was me in real time. I mean, I, I really stuck. I, I stuck with it way f- longer than I should have until I ended up kind of giving it up. Because I was like, I'm going to get it one day. Like, everyone's telling me I'm dumb, and Matt's not going to be annoying eventually. And I was like, no, he's still pissing me off. Book five, <laughs> I'm over it, you know. But I, I believe those people who really like it. I believe them. I, I believe that they love it, and there's something about it that really uh, resonates with them. And I think that, like, being able to acknowledge that actually goes a long way of bridging gaps between people who, who you know, hate the work that you end up loving. Mm-hmm. And uh, Colton had a question. I just want to know why Jimmy chose to read Cage of Souls instead of Children of Time. Listen, okay. All right, listen. Cage of Souls has <laughs> one of the dopest premises of all time. It is, there's like 100,000 humans left. The sun is like going out, okay? And they're in the civilization, and it's a prison drama. That is sounds so intriguing to me. And then it just wasn't very good, <laughs> which is so disappointing because none of those things I just mentioned matter in the story at all. It's like the greatest premise that he just kind of threw away. It's unfortunate. Hmm. Was that respectful enough, Philip? That was very respectful, Jimmy. Well done. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's in the chat, by the way. Figures. Nah, that dude's too busy writing. 
Yeah. Madison, you're supposed to be finishing Legend of Dritz. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> it's got busted. <laughs> Jonathan wants some uh, nasty critiques on his stuff. Nice. <laughs> I did have an author can, uh, tell me one time, a self-pub author, that um, there was a, a, bu- a fairly popular booktuber that released a, a lukewarm review for his book, and the sales took a deep, a deep uh, dive. So, no things. Yeah, it's rough, you know. But I, and at the same time, though, that's like their right to upload and and to do those things. So, like that, that's that's tough. It's really tough. I kind of get the yeah. both sides of that. Some people tell me that it's egotistical of me to say that. Oh, if I gave a self-published author a bad review, it would ruin their career. But then other ones are like, well, if you gave, you could give their career a boost by doing that. Or, or if I ever like say I don't like a Brent Weeks book, I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm getting influencing a bunch of people not to read it. So it's like, well, which one is it? Do I have an influence or not? You know? So, yeah, yeah, it's it's a difficult one because I don't want to be mean, but I always want to be honest because yeah. books are expensive and. I don't want to say that a book is good if it's not good. And then somebody pays 20 euros for that book and they're disappointed. So at the very least, I want to say the positives and the negatives. And that might not be the best for the author, but it, it feels like it's not my job to make your book sell. We're you here for the reader. Write a good book. Yeah, exactly. We're here for the reader. Yeah, in the community. Uh, and, you know, authors uh, come, in, come in. I actually have no issue with that at all. Um, as long as, you know, there's a, there's an unspoken agreement that, uh, you know, I might like your first book and I hate your second, like that could happen. Um, and that, that's just the, the way it goes. But I, I agree. I agree with you, Yolene. I, I, I feel a more of a responsibility for the people who are making kind of purchases and things, you know, and books aren't, you're right. Books are not cheap at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy needs to read pillars of, of the earth minus the magic and it's like a good book. Back. I got it back there. Yeah. I, I actually really want to get the Ken Follett. Uh, I tried to sell that book to people for years. And once I get to the part where I say, okay, so it's showing like over the time, how long it took to build a cathedral. And I'm like, that sounds boring as shit. And they won't read it. And I'm like, it's, it's so much better than the synopsis is. It really is. It's a spectacular yeah. book. So I'm glad I've heard it's fantastic. Like it. It's a great book. I've read it twice. Um, it's a good book. So speaking of Ice and Fire, who is excited for the new? The new series is anyone i am yeah, i'll watch it I am. am i excited nah. i think it has a lot of potential um what, especially... new, what new series house of dragon i see what you're doing uh, i feel like they should have let the ip like rest a little bit you know until people weren't still so pissy about you know how game of thrones ended or you know you got hbo money maybe i don't know look around your rooms right now guys all those fancy series you got you think maybe maybe they could have bought snatched one of those up gave something else some uh you know a spotlight maybe yeah i definitely i definitely uh understand the fact again i wish that there were more ips being um built around but i um i'm excited for it and main reason is because the thing that I had the biggest issue with was D&D and they're gone and everyone else is back. So that gives me a lot of hope. And I also think that the dying of the dragons or the dance of the dragon, whatever you want to call it, I think is like a ridiculously cool story um, that could be adapted very well. And we'll, we'll see what happens. But I do agree with the sentiment that, that, you know, why don't we throw that 20 million episode at something else? Like, why don't we try to expand? Um, but find out who's got Joe Abercrombie's rights and buy them HBO there. There yeah. we go. I, I would vote for that. That'd be great. So, but what, what, 
what do we think about the new Lord of the Rings series? Is should, is that money better spent somewhere else? Yeah. No comment because I don't have anything nice to say. My mama told me if you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say it. So there you go. Yeah, I I, I uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't, I don't know. Like, dude, here's the thing. Like, I'm trying to get out of the trailer reaction mindset, and I don't do those videos anyways, but um it's almost like insinuated that you have to have a stance on a show before it comes out now. Like instead of just watching it and judging it for what it is. Right. How do, you, how do you even do that? Well, red letter media talks about this good star Wars. Uh, they talked about how they'll do a, a con for the star Wars announcement of the trailer. And everyone's like, yeah, it's like, it's like, it hasn't come out yet. Like you don't know if it's any good. And they're just like, Disney saved star Wars. And you know, it's just, uh, I, that resonated with me a little bit. And I'm not the biggest star. Like I'm not really into that fandom, but like, I think about that whenever I see, you know, the wheel of time trailers, everything, it, you know, we had, I don't know how many hours of content do we have on YouTube breaking down the 32nd tra trailer. Like, I don't know, three and a half hours worth, probably maybe more. Um, and that, and people had definitive proof that that's why that show was either going to be good or bad. Um, and instead it came out and then it, it was what it was. And people made judgments based on the actual show. And, and um, you know, that was a conversation that I thought was valuable, but uh, the, the whole um, Lord of the Rings thing, I, I just don't, I don't know what they can do that is going to make me happy compared to the original trilogy. I, I just don't know. Like, mm. I don't know. What do you think, Yelena? Are you still uh, hopeful? Well, I haven't even read the books, so I'm I'm open for everything. I, I always try to look at a TV show completely separate from the books. Like The Witcher, I like it. Yeah. It's not really like the books. I don't really care. So hmm. I, I don't go into it, like analyzing it as deeply, seeing the differences or they're, they're taking a different approach. That's fine by me. I'm always thinking that the people who are behind the legacy if, if they're behind it, I'm not going to be difficult about it. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that I cannot like it, but I'm not going to be defensive of that legacy. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. I, like agree with, I agree with Jolene. I think that there's an adaptation is not the same thing as the original story. And then it can't be. And if it, it, they tried to be, it would be terrible in 99% of the time. So I'm, I'm open to what they're doing. I'll try it, probably. The Lord of the Rings thing. Rings of Power. Is that what they're calling it or something? Philip, you're going to be able to figure out how to turn it on. <laughs> <laughs> this is a guy in Jeopardy. Guys, listen. Philip was on Jeopardy, and we were like, all right, Philip, you want to buzz in? He goes, do I need a pencil and paper? And we're like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Who invited this guy? Nobody told me about the buzzer thing ahead of time. He remembered to set his VCR for his favorite stories before he uh, before he hopped on. Don't tell anyone about the VCR, man. Yeah. Dude, I used to do that. That was the yeah. jam. I had the DVD VHS combo. Now that was it right there. And you could <laughs> like, just the DVD. quite let go. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. Uh, Jimmy's review of Fires of Heaven has influenced me to never visit yes. a circus. Oh my God, oh, Val and Luca. I, I did not like that book. <laughs> and I've, you know what? I don't have a dedicated review for it. I've just talked about it enough on live streams that people know that I don't like it. <laughs> uh, Pillars was, was absolutely fantastic. Second very 10 good. out of 10 of the year for me. Wow. Maybe I should make it Yeah, it's very good. But it's, it's, it's not quick. It's a, it's a thick one. It's really good, though. It's like the size of Howling Dark. Mm. Yeah, House of Dragons. If there's anything I'm excited about, I love Matt Smith, Doctor Who fan. So, he looks uh, very regal. Yeah, 
So yeah. I, I, I love to see Matt Smith in anything for sure. And also the score would be awesome. So with it being the first, or I love the honest and respectful book review, regardless of whether you liked the book or not. It's why I watch all of you. Well, thank you. Thanks, yeah. tomorrow. Thanks tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So what's your, uh, what's your, so what's everyone's favorite book of the first quarter of the year? Without- oh, yeah. I hate this. People ask me that in the live stream. I'm like, I, what about, I don't remember what I read yesterday. Jeez, uh, <laughs> oh Stop. Favorite of the first quarter. Huh? Damn. That's a hard one. Is it can only uh, a first read or can we count rereads or what? I can count rereads. Okay. That makes it harder. You were supposed to say no. Yeah, I'm going to say no because I read, I read the song of ice and fire. So I, I, that automatically wins and that's boring. <laughs> I would say maybe price of spring, uh, the fourth book of the uh, long price quartet that that's pops in my head. Um, that was fantastic. I mean, that solidified that as, a series that I'm going to have to consider if I ever do another top 10 video, which is probably never going to happen, but uh, <laughs> it was that good. Uh, a long price quartet, especially the, the fourth book was just tremendous. So that I, I'm going to throw that out for my answer. Yulene, what about you? Um, Cashiel's Dart by Jacqueline Carey. Yeah, hmm. it was a big surprise for me, but I absolutely adored it and i think that that series has potential to become an all-time favorite i want to read that so bad yeah it's it's amazing and i thought that it was going to be i i actually put it off for a long time because i heard a lot about the bdsm thing and the romance and i thought well that's probably not going to be my cup of tea but it was so much more than that and Hmm. all of those scenes they mattered for the plot which i always find very important unless i'm reading just a full fantasy romance then it's fine. But this one had a lot of political intrigue. It's first person POV, an older character telling their life story, a little bit like Fitz in Farseer. I love that type of thing. So yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So Mike and Jimmy, what you, you're both pondering. <laughs> uh, you can count rereads. I'd go Wizard and Glass, Dark Tower 4. That's oh, just good answer. amazing. Yeah. Uh, but not rereads. Uh, Toss up between to Green Angel Tower and uh, God's Grave by Jay Kristoff. It's the middle book in Never Night, which was just basically like Gladiator. So I've, I'm all I love that's a trope I'll never get tired of. You know, your protagonist having to fight in the Gladiator, the arena. It's always something that I really, really dig. And I think that that uh, Mia is is basically like the character that I wanted Ren to be. So hmm. I'll leave it at that. Philip, I think your daughter would enjoy it. Oh, cool. Huh. It is very R-rated, though. Just putting that oh. out. Yeah. Well. <laughs> very R-rated. <laughs> Jimmy, do you have a, a pick? Um, so I think it, like if I didn't pick fantasy, it's the road. Um, like overall, it's probably the road. Uh, I just think it's a masterpiece. But um, great book. It's great. Yeah, book. it's it's that's gonna stick with me for the rest of my life. Um, so other than that, though, and I'm not gonna count rereads because I just pick whatever Song of Ice and Fire books I've read. Um. It would be it's either Howling Dark or Grace of Kings. Um, I'm gonna actually go with oh, fuck. Uh, I, I'll go Howling Dark. I'll go Howling Dark. Actually, uh, it, it, the reason why is because I just think it, that there's so many wild ideas that could have went so poorly, and Rockio was able to execute them. Like he didn't take the easy way out in Howling Dark. Like he could have easily just done what everyone else has always done, um, but he uh, he messed with the readers, man, and it worked for me. So. 
Yeah, Philip, you're talking about you like to do review with the author in the room. I know Christopher Rocchio. So that's what it's like. I'm just going to text him and ask him what this means, not assume that it was something that, you know, didn't make sense. Yeah. So, yeah, he's like, <laughs> me. So it made sense. Can you just explain it to me like a five? Yeah. And he would. So. Yeah. There is something special about having like that kind of open line to an author because, uh, it, you know, and people like, for instance, like I've obviously met Steven Erickson. I've had him on the podcast. I've, I've talked to him and stuff. And it's like, yeah, it does impact my enjoyment of the books, but not because I feel like I can't critique it, but because I know his intent behind of the books and I know mm -hmm. a lot about more of what went into them. And it's like, it's hard not to appreciate. It's like when you watch behind the scenes, a special edition of, you know, Dune, the new movie. I'm sure like if I watched that, I'd have a greater appreciation probably for the movie. So it's kind of like that in that regard, but it's so, we're very fortunate that we get to talk to authors. I mean, very, oh, very yeah. lucky. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Always a surprise how many authors will say yes you know yeah. Yeah. i had a interview with uh blake crouch which i never expected him to do that because i mean that hmm. that guy doesn't need my help to sell books you know and so yeah i just amazed it uh and steve talked about this recently that just ask most of them are excited to do it you know yeah. they, when i talked to jim butcher he said this is gonna get way more attention than if i talked to like some sci-fi magazine somewhere That's right so hmm. of course of course i was gonna say yes so uh yeah no ever be scared to reach out and ask you know i mean the Stephen King, I'd have to do it by snail mail. I don't think he uses the internet besides Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's that's one of the coolest things about, you know, what we're doing here, that there's so much excitement behind it. But I also think that in addition to the fact that an author wants to have the publicity, I suspect that most authors just love talking about books. Yeah. And, of course, they love talking about their stories. I mean, it, it's probably a little scary for them, too. Uh, but to have the opportunity to tell folks kind of this is what i was going for here you know I, maybe there are some authors who wouldn't like to do that but uh, i think that it would be a fun conversation for an author to have for most of the time mm -hmm. and to, to talk to somebody who's genuinely interested in in their work and that sort of thing yeah i i think they would most of them would really dig it yeah hey knack mac i'm laughing right now in path of daggers <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so what, what book did you DNF Wheel of Time on, Yolino? Was it three or four? Um, I read the fourth book, and then I had no intention picking up the fifth one, but I bought all the hardcovers. So <laughs> oh. thinking, well, I, I should give it another try. And then I picked up the fifth one maybe after four months. I read the first page, and I decided I'm not going to do this. I hate to be that guy, but if you didn't like it then, I'm not thinking that there's yeah. going to be something that really brings you around because that's mm -hmm. I still think that's the best stretch is the first quarter of that series. So. Yeah, it, it was also hearing that from everybody and that the slump still had to start. That made me realize I, I don't want to read 10 more of these books. But he has such powerful endings. Yeah, he does. That yeah. It, it kind of drags you along for the next one, but then like three-fourths of it is not what I'm usually liking so yeah just yeah. wasn't worth the end i like his world like the the world of wheel of time and traveling to the different location you know it's funny everyone like I, I see so many people like shit on eye of the world for being an in hopping book and i love that i actually really like it that's why we like fantasy right <laughs> i i just want to go to an inn and sit down with the bar you know and just hear the music and stuff and it, i think it captures that and that's why i love the first two books book two is still one of my favorite endings to a book ever um yeah. and then I remember time book. Honestly, it's I think it made my top ten in twenty twenty, uh, which is says a lot because like I really didn't like three, four, and five. And I I finished four 
I didn't like it. And everyone said, well, that's it. You can jump off because if you didn't like four, that's a wrap. And then I waited a year and I said, I'm going to prove everybody wrong. I'm going to read five. And then I really didn't like five. And I was like, okay. And now I have all the mass market paperbacks on this top shelf, but they look so cool. I don't want to get rid of them. <laughs> Maybe my kids will like it. I don't know. I still say it's worth it, but I will say, I always say, if you aren't enjoying it, man, this is your life. You only get one of them. Read. Yeah. Are we ever yeah. going to be able to live long enough to read everything you want? No. So just read something that's making you happy. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. there's no shame in it either. Like I, I, I say this about Malazan. That's why I say it to people. It's just okay. It's okay. You know, it's a huge series. You know, it's millions of words. And yep, yep. You know, I just want people to read what they like. Mm-hmm. It's three million words. Yeah. Wow. Thanks. Thank you, Philip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving all of the uh, Empire of the Vampire love in the comments here. It's a spectacular book. And, uh, my favorite, uh, has, uh, my favorite this year so far was Daughter of the Forest. Thank you, Yulene, for the recommendation. I'm mm. always happy when people pick that up and actually like it. But now a couple of uh, friends are reading the second one in the trilogy, and some have given it one star. And that's painful to hear. Oh, <laughs> oh that's rough. Yeah. Lots of Dark Tower love, too. Always, always down for that. Man, oh, yeah. Dark Tower is so good. Yeah. A- HBO, make a Dark Tower show. How about that? Give a hundred million. Well, Amazon filmed a pilot and then they didn't pick it up. That's it. I was like, you don't want to use those rights. Give them to someone. I'm sure Mike Flanagan over at Netflix would love to get his hands on that. He's like, he's a bigger King fan than I am. So it would hey, be such good. Did, didn't they make a Dark Tower movie or something like that? Uh, maybe on a different path of the beam. Not in this one. There are <laughs> other worlds in these, though, you know? So. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you out here. What is EOTV? I'm, I'm missing it. Uh, Empire of the Vampire. Oh, gotcha. Jay Crystal. Yeah. Who, by the way, if you ever get a chance to talk to him, do it. That's like one of the most fun people I've ever talked to in my life. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard he's I heard he's a good dude, and uh, that uh, I heard a lot of people that were like very doubtful of the book watched your interview, and they said he seems like a great guy, and then end up reading it. You know, half liked, half didn't, or whatever. Yeah. But like they said, you know, this guy's this guy's not uh, as wild as he seems. You know, he's the type you could probably sit there and kill like a 24 pack with and just hmm. tell dick jokes, you know, so if you're into that kind of thing, <laughs> <laughs> if you've read his books. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and uh, thank you for the reader for the, uh, for the sticker. Uh, Johanna says, Kishel's Dart, one of the only books I've DNF'd over a decade ago because of the S&M, but I might give it another try. Thanks to Yulene. I hope you like it a second time around. And to be honest, the BDSM is only like in the first half. It's, it might be five scenes. It's pretty graphic. But after that, it's not as present. <laughs> and then Nick Carlson says, uh, Legacy of the Brightwash, which is a bug I want I want to get to soon. Same. And King of the Bash, yes. We're, uh... Yeah, Legacy of the Brightwash is uh, in the finals or did win, right? SPFB, ZBZO. I don't know what the hell the That's acronym fine. is. Yeah. Fifth bow now. I forget what the yeah. I, just I always forget it. Yeah, yeah I forget it too. But yeah, it's uh, everyone raves about it. In fact, uh, Taylor from Made Between, the, Made Between the Pages just raves about that one. She just finished it. Yo, uh, you know a book that I read that was in there, and I think it. I don't think it won. I can't remember if it won now, but it was a semifinalist. I think it was uh, the Combat Codes by Alexander Darwin. Just got picked up by Orbit, wow. and he's and he's rewriting them. Yeah, like he's he's doing some editing and adding some stuff to them and and whatnot. And I'm really happy for that guy. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I talked to uh, Jonathan French about the Lotlands, and it sounded like it wasn't like it wasn't. It's not all that it's cracked up to be going from self pub to to trad. There's plenty of the minuses. 
Michael J. Sullivan says he made he makes way way easier doing it self published, you know, through Kickstarter than it was ever working for a publisher. So huh. yeah, I think the things that like kind of get uh, passed over sometimes in the self pub realm are like uh, proper editing. It also can be, and I'm not saying that because they want to. It's just really expensive. Right. Um, and then yeah. obviously like cover art, quality of the actual binding and stuff. But if you can figure those things out, like uh, Sullivan has and has Sanderson has. I mean, you stand to make a lot more money. Going All you gotta do is find a very loyal fan base that's willing to pay you ten million dollars per book. Yeah, you know? easy, and guys. I think you on. can do this on your own. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so easy, guys. Jeez, that's all. It's like, it's like, how to become a millionaire? Okay, first get a million dollars. Okay, <laughs> that should be easy. Yeah, it makes sense if you have a, a big enough, you know, fan base or platform, you know to self-publish uh so like, or do what sanderson is doing now mm-hmm. apparently um that makes sense uh, uh the trouble is most of us don't have a platform like that you know yeah. philip can i ask you since i obviously like you've written and, and you're you know attempting to be published and sending things out and whatnot um is, is there anything about self-pub that kind of attracts you at all like when you consider oh, that yeah yeah, so the biggest attraction for me to self-publishing would be creative freedom. And, you know, there's, I'm terrified that uh, of an, an editor at a publishing house coming in and, and changing something that is fundamental to me about the books, you know. Um, and that would be my worst nightmare, you know, to, to get the, to that stage, to have a, a publisher and then for that editor there to want to change something that I really feel is important about the book. So, mm-hmm. so I guess that's the, for the biggest thing in terms of uh, advantages of self-publishing, and there are some for sure, would be the creative freedom. Um, but the flip side of that is the people who work in the publishing industry love books and they are for the most part very informed and very intelligent people and they know things that most of us don't know about, you know, storytelling and, and yeah. they know what effective storytelling is. And I'm guessing that the vast majority of the time when they when they do give you advice, it's good advice, you know. Um, so they know what sells, too. And that's that's kind of important. That's sort of a bottom line. But so, yeah, I mean, pros and cons, I guess, um, you know, uh, and you can set your own if you're a self-published author. I think in addition to just the creative freedom there, you're handling other things on your own. So Mm -hmm. you're, you're in charge of that stuff. The the negative is you're in charge of all that stuff. So (laughs) yeah, for sure. If you're, if you're good at marketing, great, you know, maybe self-publishing is for you. Uh, But if you don't feel like you have those kinds of skills or the kind of platform needed to do that, then self-publishing is obviously going to help you a lot. You know, I mean, traditional publishing. uh, So don't worry sanderson fixes the series <laughs> well i'll never know yeah. <laughs> i only made it through book seven of wheel of time uh, maybe i'll do a stream and i'll just read the wiki <laughs> and people can just watch me react and with zero context It'd be great <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the our group read for the Dark Tower just finished up, but that I uh, didn't finish. <laughs> Steve, uh oh, I, I can't get into it because it would be spoiler. But there's a turn. It will. I really liked Drawn of the Three. I thought it was really great. I love that book. I actually like the Gunslinger a lot more now that I've gotten through the first 
several, but the turn it takes and the, yeah, just not a fan of that. Um, I, I can't get into it without spoiling it for anyone. Wait, which book though? Wait, are you saying, Steve, that you're DNFing Dark Tower? Is that what you're I, saying? I did DNF it. I, we, after, after a Wizarding Glass, that was it for me. That's you know, a lot of people have that reaction to Wizarding Glass. They don't want a 450 page flashback in the middle of their story. So now imagine getting that and then so and then having to wait for six years to find out what's happening with the real time story. So that's why mm -hmm. a lot of people were mad about it when it came out. But over time, I feel like a lot of them have come around on it. Like me with this, my second reading, I loved it. I thought it was incredible on the second reading. First time I've read it since I was 19, you know, so it's, it's my favorite one. I, I actually hate flashbacks. It's like one of the things that like it's a big hurdle for me to get over. And I, ended up, you know, of course, it's King. So he ended up making me love a flashback book because, yeah. That's what he does. I just thought it was a brilliant. It's my favorite of the series so far. I knew that's, it would that's, be. Yeah. That's as far as I've gotten in the series is Wizarding Glass. And I just thought it was fantastic. And the, it's just this great combination of obviously King. Everyone knows if you know anything about Dark Tower, he's mixing in fantasy and horror and sci-fi. And, you know, he just throws it all in. But he's also mixing in, you know, the Wizard of Oz and Romeo and Juliet. And the guy is just so eclectic and obviously well-read. Uh, and all of that goes into this crazy story, which is, it's such an intense story. And I, I was absolutely blown away by Wizard and Glass. So, yeah. I'm a sucker for a tragedy. And I think Wizard and Glass is a genre bending tragedy. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's, yep. That's the char you tree. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. God. Yeah. And on writing, Philip, he says, uh, you know, the key to, to writing a lot is reading a lot. So, yeah. Yep. He definitely, definitely does his reading. Yeah. yeah I got to read that book. I want to read, uh, I haven't read it. Uh, I'd read more Stephen King because he spoils the hell out of almost every time, every book he's wrote. Yeah. I just he does. Of course he does. I had to stop watching his YouTube videos because he just kept spoiling books. And I'm just like, <laughs> stop, dude. But you know what that is? It's like, okay. He's a good enough writer to spoil his own books, and you still like it, yeah. and you yeah. still are on the edge of your seat. You know, mm -hmm. he does it he, within a book. He'll tell you what's going to happen at the end of the book, and you still. Yeah, I hate know. that he does that, but then he'll actually make me still end up caring. Like, like it was the last time he was ever seen alive. I'm like, why would you do this? Why would you yeah. do this? And then by the end of the book, I'm still tore up about it. Yeah. Legacy of the Bride Wash is tied for first place in the fifth bow finals, which finishes tomorrow. Wow. Very cool. Yeah, I heard it's a it's like a super tight race this year, and like one reviewer is going to make the difference or something. Oh wow! Yeah. And a question for Jimmy. Jimmy, are there any jujitsu jujitsu codes and combat codes? Yeah, Alexander Darwin's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and um, yeah, it, it, it's not it's in there. Um, he mixes in all types of combat. Um, but as someone who does jujitsu, I can tell you that it's almost like a legit seminar. Like it's so good, but it's not boring to read. Um, I've even handed it off to some people who aren't into jujitsu and, and, and they loved it. So um, there's going to be some changes, I think. So I would wait to read them until they're published by Orbit now because I think he's going back and editing them. But I definitely recommend them, especially anyone that likes progression fantasy. Like if you like Cradle or something like that, I think you could really enjoy um, Combat Codes. Hmm. And it looks like Legends and Latte has also got picked up by Tor. Oh, wow. And speed is a big advantage from Softpub. Yeah. Yeah, look at Will White. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, enjoyed Kushal's Darp. It has an interesting premise. It was not BDSM for BDSM's sake. It had a purpose in the story, and I quite enjoyed the action and political intrigue. 
I never yeah. heard of this book before tonight, but now I'm just—you got me curious about what's just so bad. In it's, it, so. It, it's supposed to be pretty, like you know, it, it doesn't back away from the BDSM stuff. But I've also heard that the world building is like, like deep, like really, really deep, yeah. and there's like a lot of parallels to our world and religion. And um, Chris Bookish Cauldron's a huge fan, and he told me like it would be right up my alley. I, I really want to try it out, but it's a it's a big one. There's a trilogy, and I think a sequel trilogy, right, Yolene? I think there are nine books in total, but Jesus you God. have uh, three trilogies. And then at this moment, she is writing a tenth book, which um, covers the same story as Kashil's Dart, but from a different POV. Interesting. Hmm. And the writing style is absolutely beautiful. So just for that, I, I really liked it. Yeah, I've heard she's a really talented writer. Mm -hmm. Maybe next year. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know, 2026. <laughs> no. Exactly. <laughs> We're planning so far ahead. How far ahead is everyone? Hmm. I'm thinking definitely about 2023. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Same. What about you, Mike? How far ahead are you planning? For my TBR? Yeah. Well, I just put out a video of everything I'm reading in 2023, so pretty far ahead. <laughs> yeah. I like yeah. to do 12 to 15 a month in advance, which can change. But I like to lock about three months at a time. And uh, Hedy Wizard and Gloss, my first read through, but I, as I was, I wasn't expecting to be pulled back into the story. When I reread the series, it was five stars all the way. And so what you're, what you're, what you're missing here, Steve, is that uh, you're wrong. You need to go back, yeah, and, Steve, uh, and finish Derek Tower. One of these days, I, I see why people like it. There's just certain things in the story that I'm not a fan of, but I can't say because spoil it for anyone. Uh, Logan, it's 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 good. I'm keeping my scratching off off the camera as much as I can. So thank you for asking. <laughs> Nothing makes you feel like a goofball more than telling your kids, "Hey, be careful! Don't touch this. Watch out for that." And then you're the one that comes home with poison oak. So. <laughs> uh, question for Julian, but it looks like it didn't come all the way through. Hmm. No, I'm Ooh, curious. Anticipation. Yeah, I'm curious. Julian, <laughs> did you like it? Jeez. <laughs> See, this is a very good example of how you can build suspense and text. Yeah, we, now we're all curious. We like the three dots. Let us know, Mike, before we uh, before we wrap up, if you would, because I know it's getting late for Yolene, and uh, so don't want to keep you too late, two three in the morning. But Yolene's a trooper. I can't believe you're up. Well, this really got me awake, and I I slept like between eight and nine. <laughs> And then I had to get ready. <laughs> is that the um, Folio Society Farseer trilogy behind you? Yes, it is. Nice. Yeah. I really hope that one day they make the Life Ship Traders one. Yeah. I've been well, emailing them. them. So <laughs> I'm sure yeah. they're going to announce Folio or the Illustrated Editions <laughs> of them now since I just I... bought Life Ship. Yeah. And those Illustrated Editions of Farseer are incredible. Yeah, that's why I was holding off. I was hoping they were going to continue that. But I even like messaged her on Instagram. She left me on red, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's Robin Hop, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was like, hey, do you want to come on the channel for an interview? And I never heard back, but I yeah. like totally understand, like totally yeah. understand. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, yeah, so we're, it looks like we're gonna be in suspense for a little bit. But yeah, when we, <laughs> when we press the blade itself. Hey, we before we go, up. what's everybody reading right now? Right now, oh, I'm boy. reading two books. Uh, Priest of Bones. It's one that I need to read oh, before Sunday. Oh, the Winter King is fantastic. 
Yeah, I've wanted to get into Bernard Cornwell for a while now, but uh, you know, because obviously I love Last Kingdom, and so I was like really, I was like, but I don't know if I want to start another 13-book series. And I was like, well, let's start with this one first. It's basically his version of the Arthurian legend. I'm like, oh, man, I love me some Mallory. I love some Arthurian legends. So, yeah, yeah, I'm excited about it. Yeah, first book is good. The second and third are among some of the best books I've read this year. I yeah, mean, a lot of a lot of people on the Discord told me it's like the closest they've read to Song of Ice of Fire. So I'm like, wow. Yeah. That's encouraging. So throw some King Arthur in there, some Mordred and some Morgana. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I know you say you're not a big audio guy, but if you could just listen to a piece of Jonathan Keeble's narration to hear him do his Merlin, because okay. like Merlin's just such a dick. And it's so funny to hear Keeble do, oh, Durfle, you're such a moron. <laughs> it's, just, it's like the funniest narration. I, if someone really carries on about the audiobooks, I will go to the audio pay, audible page and just do the sample just to listen. And sometimes it's hilarious, like uh, Stephen King reading reading evil things. I'm like, I don't know how anybody made it through that. I mean, you're an amazing writer. No, this is like when they assume someone was a great athlete, that they're going to be great as an announcer. It doesn't <laughs> always work that way. Same, same with that. But uh, yeah, there's there's some, like obviously everybody carries on by Stephen Pacey uh, yeah. from First Law. So I, I've sampled those and stuff like that. So uh, there's a lot of, I wish I could, guys. I wish I could. I just, I just. No, I get it. Yeah. I got I mean, too used to ignore my kids. Now I just can't turn it off, you know? <laughs> Those Cornwell books, I mean, they're so well written, though. Um, he, oh, God, he's. Fantastic. I only read the first 12 pages where he did a little fake out on the birth, and that was pretty cool. Yeah. So, I'm excited. That's, I'm, I'm officially on vacation today, so I'm going to try to dip into some tonight before uh, we leave on vacation in the morning. So. And Yulene here. Uh, thanks, Matt, for your question. Sorry, I was asking if Yulene liked the heroes in for Red Country. I know you didn't like Best Served Cold. I didn't like it either, but I liked the next two. I think yeah. she just misunderstood Best Served Cold. She needs to do it again. <laughs> need to work harder. <laughs> no, but I, I, I did really like both the heroes and Red Country. So, yeah, I, I don't really know why Best Served Cold just didn't work for me. And then for the heroes, I was expecting to hate it because I don't like battles. And like the back of the book said one big battle or something like that. So I, I knew from the get-go, I'm not going to like this. And then I ended up loving it. So, I, I don't know what I like anymore. Hot take. <laughs> hot take. I love Calder. I love him. I love Calder. Oh, yeah. Great I know a lot of people don't, but I love Calder. So. Same. Yeah. But uh, Best of Cold, I don't know. Maybe it's I love Mount, Count of Monte Cristo. And it felt like Joe Abercrombie's Count of Monte Cristo. That's what it felt like to me. It just, I just love a good revenge tale. So. And Ellie is reading the darkness that comes before last 100 pages. That's when it gets, it nice. starts to ramp stuff uh, mike had a question for you when are you going to read let's see oh my gosh you know that's one that all the time that I, it always comes up and i never think about it when i'm thinking like i, I think i just got i want to try to put more emphasis on things that came out before like 1990 as i said like will of time to present it's like the only thing anyone on youtube talks about so i want to try to put some spotlight on some maybe some 80s and 70s fantasy so i should put ursi in there but i think i think i I think I took that poll and I didn't even put it on there. I should have because uh, Rift War and Legend of Dritz kind of uh, seem to get the most interest on the old stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I don't plan on stopping reading anytime soon. So, but uh, yeah, I, sorry about that being in. I do need to update that intro, I think. <laughs> My bookshelf's <laughs> changed a bit since then. And Nick is listening to Fall of Babel and reading Gunmetal Gods. Gunmetal Gods is great. Great name. I've heard so many good things about it. I think Daniel Green just posted a video recently yes. about it. Or something, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Really good stuff. So, uh, 
So I want to thank all of you for coming by. I know it's kind of rare for all this to kind of work out the way it did. So thanks for spending your Friday night together and chatting about books and stuff. So I appreciate it. So thanks to all of you. Uh, if you could just tell us where to contact you, Philip, where to find the best place to connect with you other than your channel, which is listed down below. Oh, wow. Uh, well, I am actually on Twitter. Um, so uh, Philip Chase 90. I do. I know what Twitter is. I so you sound <laughs> so surprised that you're on <laughs> I know. I mean, I haven't I quite just learned this. I haven't quite figured out how it works, but uh, I'm there. My and uh, on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the channel is probably the easiest way uh, I would say uh, to get in touch with me. But Philip Chase ninety on Twitter as well. Um, so yeah. Um, and I want to thank you, Steve, for uh, for having this. Uh, it really was a great time. And uh, these are lovely people, both the people that I can see on the screen and all the people in the chat. Uh, thank you all for, for participating. And uh, it was a, a lovely time. This is the best community in the whole wide world for me. So uh, it's a privilege and an honor. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Yelene, where's the best place to find you other than your channel? Well, I also have a Twitter and an Instagram and a Goodreads, but I'm not active on those. So if you want to contact me, <laughs> Discord is probably the best bet, and I have it linked on my YouTube channel. I know that not everybody is a fan or they they don't really, they think that it's more difficult than it actually is, but it's just like a forum. Once you make an account, there's Twitter not much. Twitter is harder than Discord, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. So that's probably where I'm at every day. What about you, Mike? You're on you're on Twitter too, right? No, I am on Instagram, Facebook, Goodreads. But you will, if you actually want to talk to me, the best thing is to join the channel Discord, which I link in every video on the channel. So it's you know we're, we just hit seven thousand users, so there's a, it's going to be robust conversation if that's what you're looking for. So love to have you there. What about you, Jimmy? Was the best place to connect with you? Uh, mostly in my comment section. Uh, I do have Twitter. It's at the Flocavelli, but uh, I really just post like when I'm going live and stuff on there anymore. I just haven't. I, ha I have a, a patron discord, which is very small, but that's enough to keep me busy. And um, uh, I, I don't go on my Twitter much anymore. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me, Steve. Everyone, it was a pleasure talking to all of you. And uh, I appreciate everyone that showed up for the chat. This was a this is a good way to spend my Friday night, man. Right on. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks to all of you for coming by. It's thank it's you. Really, things work out this way. So really appreciate it. <laughs> and thanks to everyone who dropped by to uh, to to comment and interact with us. Really appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great Friday night and a great weekend. Cheers. 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 Bye.